What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Yo, 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 what up? This is Rocky Asuka Romero of Chaos, and you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcast, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcast, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy Josh Smith and Chris Samsa from SportOfProWrestling.com. On today's show, we'll be previewing G1 Climax 30, answering your questions, and covering all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network or to Keeping It Strong Style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by Manscaped, who is best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over the technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SUPLEX at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping. And use the code SUPLEX at manscaped.com. And make sure you check out the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWworld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. And like usual, like you heard in the intro, joined by the young boy Josh Smith, but we also have... Chris Samsa joining us once again from sportofprowrestling.com and voicesofwrestling.com. Chris, how you doing, man? Oh, it's G1 season, so I am both exhausted and energized at the same time. <laughs> we uh, we had a first on this show. Oh, I thought we were going to kayfabe it. Dude, Josh, Josh always does. Any, anytime that we have a botch, he always has to bring it up. Nobody... Why do you think, why was Jeremy talking so fast on that intro? <laughs> Oh man! So guys, so the first time ever in the history of this show, we we were just laying down audio gold. I mean, we were sitting here recording, uh, you know, just repertoire, just you know, bada bing, bada boom, bouncing back and forth. And then suddenly, Jeremy's like, "Wait, wait, wait! 
we're not recording. And I, like, I was just gutted. <sighs> Sam's face just dropped. Uh, I saw a tear fall from Jeremy's eye. Like it, it was, yeah, what a Chris, moment that Chris, was lost into the ether. Yeah. Chris almost walked off. He almost, you know, <laughs> <laughs> my headphones down and I was just like, oh, rookies. Chris was big leaguing us. He was like, my time is precious. <laughs> Well, what was this amateur hour? Good thing we're only like five minutes in and not on hour three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay because I made a joke about uh, Chris making Kevin Kelly look better, and then he said he was trying to ride Kevin's coattails, and then I made a joke about us riding his coattails. I didn't feel super strong about that joke, so I'm kind of glad it got cut. I made a great joke about. Uh, the KOPW though that I don't think I can revisit. Oh, that was so good. Yeah, yeah, y'all that, gonna miss out. That, that, that was it's gonna be funny. between the three of us. <laughs> be on the deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so obviously we're here today to talk about G1 Climax 30. Uh, I'm gonna be previewing all the the blocks, the participants, some of the big matches. Um, also we have Chris on here, and he's been doing a lot of work researching stats, and you know, he's been making the towns on all these podcasts, so he has a lot of great. You know, gold for us tonight as we uh, walk through this tournament. And we know G1 is one of those times of the season where we get a lot of new listeners here at Keeping It Strong Style. And just in general, it's a lot of new people jumping into New Japan and kind of looking for a guide and kind of where to get started. And especially with the G1, if you're new to it, might be might seem a little complicated at first, but it's really not. And so we'll break it all down here for you. So we're going to start with a little overview here. So G1 Climax, there are 20 participants split into two equal blocks. We have the A block and B block. Each entrant will wrestle everyone at least once in their block to score points. Uh, winning a match scores two points. A time limit draw scores one point. Losing a match, uh, double counter or double DQ, scores zero points. All matches, excluding the final, have a 30-minute time limit, making draws plausible. The wrestler with the most points at the end of the final nights of block action will win their block and move to the final, which will see the winner of the A block face the winner of the B block. If the blocks are finalized and there is a tie on points, then the winner is decided via a head-to-head tiebreaker. That means, for example, if Okada and Ibushi finished with equal points, but Okada defeated Ibushi in the block, then Okada will progress to the final. And whoever wins the final will officially be the winner of G1 Climax 30. And their reward is a contract guaranteeing them the right to challenge for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at Wrestle Kingdom 15. Yeah, absolutely. And one great thing is as we kind of go through this endeavor, we're talking about 19 shows over 30 days. And just like in years past, um, and if you're jumping on with us for the first time, you know, that's awesome. Those of you that are returning, thank you. Um, we're week to week, we're going to be providing you with insights. What we watch literally every single match. We're going to break down every single card, every single block, um, and just kind of keep you up to date with the ongoings, um, different scenarios, everything, all that good stuff. So, you know, you definitely should watch it all, but if you're just getting into it, this is a great starting point to kind of help you with that. Definitely. And so of the 20 men that have entered um, in the 2019 tournament, there are only three changes from last year. So this year we don't have Lance Archer, Bad Luck Fale, or the current IWGP US champion, John Moxley. They have been replaced with Minoru Suzuki, Yoshihashi, and Yujiro Takahashi. So for the first time in G1 Climax history, there are no fresh faces entering the field um, something also very important to kind of keep your eyes on. Um, as always the case in New Japan, picking up a victory over a champion puts you in line to challenge for that champion's title. So 
all the current champions, uh, heavyweight champions, are in the tournament. So we have obviously Tetsuya Naito as the IWGP heavyweight and IC champion. We have Minoru Suzuki, who is the current Never champion. We have Will Ospreay, who is the Rev Pro British heavyweight champion. And then we have Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. in the tournament as well. And they are our current IWGP heavyweight tag team champions. And so, like we've seen in previous times, if one of those champions lose to somebody in their block, that typically sets up a title match uh, post-G1 in the fall. Obviously, this year, the fall schedule looks a little bit different than previous years because typically the G1 is usually um, starting in late July and wraps up at the end of August. And now we're starting you know, a little bit late here in September. And so only having the Power Struggle Tour after this tour. So it's going to be interesting to see when these title matches could potentially happen. Let me ask you guys, Lance Archer, Bad Luck Falle, and John Moxley, or Suzuki, Yoshihashi, and Nujiro? Either. It's kind of, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a wash for me. Um, mm. I don't know. Archer's Archer was great last year, but that was a breakout G1 for him. Um, I'll take Moxley over any of those guys, but Suzuki's suitable, certainly, right? So it's... Um, and Fale equals Yujiro. Yeah, I think that those are the contemporaries. Yujiro uh, for Fale, Yoshihashi for Archer, and uh, Moxley for Suzuki. Now, here's the hot take. Last year, if you had said that we were getting Suzuki, Yoshihashi, Yujiro over the other group prior to Lance Archer's breakout, I think most people would have liked the group we're getting this year better. Yeah, and I think I think Yoshihashi was a little more of a uh, god. I think he was more endearing a year ago than he is now. That's true. So I, you know, I think he's been kind of uh, broken down a little bit. He hasn't had a great year uh, up until I guess recently, post pandemic, right? So when they came back from COVID, they run they've run the never six man situation. You finally got a belt and all that. So. Um, but I don't think that that's necessarily endeared him to the audience, but there are some, uh, um, there are some big Yoshihashi fans out there. The, the Hashi hive as my friend, rich fan. <laughs> calls them. Well, you know, he's, he's, he's on top of the mountain right now. He is one third of the never open weight, uh, six man champions had a successful defense this past weekend. Like he's on top of the world right now. Basically, this is the best trio I've seen in wrestling him. Goto and Ishii since I don't know the shield like they're just incredible <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, pepper in my first good stat here because it's oh, a nice. Yo- it's a Yoshihashi um so against his block um against the rest of the B block Yoshihashi is three and 18 in singles matches which is Ooh. by far the worst mm. Um, of his three wins, um, which are all against Evil, um, two of them were before Evil even became Evil. Watanabe. He was Watanabe. So you could make the case that he's really um, one and 18 against uh, <laughs> his black competitors in singles <laughs> matches. Wow. Um, so, but I'm going to give him the other, uh, the other two because it, it's still bad. So he's gonna he's probably gonna have a tough time Mm. now um jeremy you brought up a really good point something to look out for during tournaments are you know when champions take losses um although i do remember the year 
one or it was two years ago when juice robinson was the u.s champion and he lost to a bunch of people we're like oh man who's getting the shot against him and then once the tournament was over he ended up fighting cody who wasn't even in the tournament so it's not (laughs) always right so yeah it doesn't always work out that way but typically you might get a few title matches based off of uh, a champion losing now um not to diminish the the championships because they're highly important here and obviously, like you mentioned, Jeremy, the winner does get a chance to go on and challenge for the title at uh, Tokyo Dome or Wrestle Kingdom or whatever that might end up looking like this year. Um, but ultimately, the guy who wins this is truly not only earning a title shot, but they're also getting the accolade of winning the G1, which in and of itself is one of the absolute most difficult and most prestigious things that you could possibly achieve in all of wrestling. Um you know, if there was like a quote unquote triple crown, I think that this is an achievement that has to kind of like be included in that. Like the original, the original idea of the G1 wasn't so much so about like who gets to be champion or, or fight for a title. It was who is the best wrestler in the world. And that's kind of the idea behind this Grand Prix, you know, round robin style tournament. So, you know, turn uh, the, the titles are important. They tell you a lot, but like ultimately whoever wins this whole shebang, like, you're talking about like a wrestler of the year candidate. You're talking about like someone who's getting the rocket strapped to them. And that's, that's what I always love about this tournament every year. Nice. Yeah. That's a great point you bring up there. Cause um, you know, the, the briefcase always wasn't a thing. And so I think that started what, like 2007 around that time period is when the briefcase started or maybe a little bit later than that. It's, it's, It's more modern. Yeah. So it's definitely a more modern thing. And so, yeah, it's definitely there's more proceeding just overall winning the tournament. Obviously, main eventing Wrestle Kingdom and getting a title shot's a big deal as well. So uh, now let's uh, start talking about these blocks. So we'll start with the A block. We'll go through each participant, and then um, I know Crystal Pepper and some stats, and then we'll also kind of talk about you know our ch- the chances of some of these guys of winning, and maybe some matches that we're looking forward for these guys. So we're gonna start with the A block, and we're gonna start with the Golden Star Kota Ibushi. This is his sixth entry. Fourth consecutive, and he was last year's G1 Climax winner. And Jeremy, before we uh, delve into that, do you want to uh, just give us a quick rundown of everyone that's in that block real, real quick so, before we start talking about Kota Ibushi? Yeah, so we got Kota Ibushi, Jeff Cobb, Kazuchika Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, Will Ospreay, The Dragon, Shingo Takagi, The King, Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, Switchblade, Jay White, and the Tokyo Pimp, Yujiro Takahashi. Nice. Is this... I mean, is this the best block we've ever seen G1 like on paper? I mean, obviously they got to they've got to produce. They've got to have the output too, but I mean, when you guys saw this block, did you have thoughts of like have we have we had like this much quality in one block ever before? I mean, uh, go this, ahead, this, this this is the best block in the history of the G1 on paper. Now, given the pandemic, you know, uh, environment. I don't know what it's going to actually end up producing. Obviously it's going to be fantastic regardless. Um, but with that being said on paper with how many t- like tested and tried and true um, matchups that we have here that we just know are like all time classic, you know, combinations. And then how many first time matchups that we've never seen, aside from like two guys you're talking about some of the greatest mvps in the history of this tournament all in the same block like it's really outstanding which two 
Uh, well, I would probably say, and maybe you could even say three, I suppose. Uh, obviously, I would say Tai Chi, Yujiro, and maybe Jeff Cobb are maybe not at the same level as most of the other uh, competitors that are in this block. Sure. I think this Tai Chi being in this block means we're going to get good Tai Chi. We are. So, and I, I don't know that good Tai Chi is at the level of Ibushi, Okada, Ishii, Takagi, like Osprey even. So I hear you, but tai, getting good Tai Chi kind of bumps him up a level for me. Um, and I think, I mean, really the only matches that I'm not looking forward to each night are the, are the Yujiro matches, but you know that one of them is going to be a banger. <laughs> like he's going to have one and you're going to be like, what? What what just happened? It's probably going to be with someone that you don't expect to. It'll probably end up being the Okada match since they've wrestled so much and they've all been horrible. And so this this will be the <laughs> this will be the one time where they actually go out and like have a banger. And it's like, why can't y'all do this the whole time? <laughs> well, it, it's funny because I listened to uh, Voice of Wrestling this past weekend and they brought up you know Will Osprey and how he's such an incredible tournament you know competitor and he carries guys and and brings them up to his level and. We have seen, um, you know, him him carry other people to some of their best matches, like Doki and you know um, different people like that. But honestly, for me, the one name that sticks out, and it's someone that we already know, like to me, he's just consistently always the best G one competitor. It's Ishii, and I'm like Ishii. There's no way Ishii and Ujira are gonna have a bad match. It's just not gonna happen. Like I'm not saying that will be Ujira's best match, but if I was betting money, that would probably be my pick i mean what's the last ishii the last bad ishii singles match really i mean i, I, I can't think when of one. when kenta was unconscious like that had you know and even that was still good was I, still I, pretty I like, good yeah, yeah. I, I still like that match i know a lot of people that hate, match was great yeah hated on that match and were kind of down on kenta but i thought that match was still was still awesome yeah and i don't want my first remark i don't want you guys to think what i'm saying is that uh, we're going to get bad matches out of Tai Chi or Jeff Cobb or anything of that nature. But when you look at Abushi, Okada, Osprey, Shingo, Suzuki, and then even Jay White, you're talking about like the elite of the company. And then, uh, you know, a couple guys are maybe just a tier beneath it. Like this is an incredible block. Like we're going to get just fireworks. It's, it's, it's insane. Definitely. Um, so yeah, let's start talking about these guys. So Kota Ibushi, we mentioned six entry, fourth consecutive, uh, 2019 G1 Climax winner. Uh, what, how are you guys feeling about Kota Ibushi's chances of winning the A block? I mean, I think he's in the mix because he's in that tier and he's won a G1 and he's been in two finals in a row now. Um, I think that that may work against him in a way. Um, cause I think he's got a target on his back because he's been the guy and and um it, it's clear that he's trying to um uh, move out of the, he's trying to be done with the tag team division situation that he's been in and it's time for him to refocus on the singles matches but i wonder if um i wonder if that's gonna you know come into play that he hasn't been focused as a singles wrestler this you know for the past nine months well, a couple things um, that we have to take into consideration, obviously, just major talking points that I think apply to everybody. Number one, like you mentioned, Jeremy, we're really late in the year for a G1. Like, uh, there's never been a G1 that happened this late and this close to a Wrestle Kingdom. 
Uh, and we don't know what Wrestle Kingdom is going to look like. Um, so it's really hard to tell. You know, typically you have your certain archetypes of what you're looking for as far as like how someone might book, say, a Wrestle Kingdom and what the winner of this tournament looks like coming out of that. But because we don't know what the capacity of the building that they're going to run January 4th even looks like. And, you know, for instance, hypothetically, if they end up running a show that ends up being, um, you know, not full capacity, maybe not even in the Tokyo Dome, do you give away a protected big money-making match that could sell to Tokyo Dome on on a year when you can't actually do that? And then plus with the time constraints too, one thing is the, uh, like you mentioned, the briefcase could hypothetically this be a year where the briefcase comes into play because historically no one that's ever won the G1 has ever lost their, uh, you know, their, their um, opportunity to headline wrestle kingdom. So these are all like things that are kind of looming for Kota Bushi. Number one, I, I would say, I know I mentioned that Ishii is like my MVP, but Kota Bushi and him are like one, a one B every, you know, for the past couple years at least. And so I know he's going to have a phenomenal tournament as far as winning it. I, because of those, all those circumstances I mentioned, he could win it, but I would say he's probably not going to, because my thing is if you're going to have Kotobushi go back to back, but you know, and he was a finalist the year prior, he didn't win. And then the second year he won and he lost in the Tokyo dome. Then it hasn't felt like they're doing a redemption story. Maybe they are. Maybe he's, he hasn't had such a hot 2020 and this is his redemption. But if they're going to do that, he has to win in the Tokyo Dome. And then after that, they kind of have to go with him for some period of time. And I don't, it doesn't feel like they're prepared to really do that. The other thing too is um, him and Naito, they haven't wrestled, um, you know, very recently, but they like historically to do a very protected main event for wrestle kingdom that hasn't happened within usually two years and these guys were just wrestling last year in a four match series you know they've they've been you know that's really not that long ago so it makes it hard for me to believe that abushi and naito although i think they could draw i don't think that's the match they're gonna go with honestly so i don't put his chances super high but i i'm i don't know i it's probably like four or five to one something like that yeah, you guys brought some great points there. And, yeah, I do think Kota Bushi's chance are very slim uh, for winning the block and winning the whole tournament for all the reasons you guys mentioned. You know, the interesting thing, you look, look, look at Ibushi's year and, you know, starting at Wrestle Kingdom, just kind of this downward spiral, losing both nights at the Dome. And then he was kind of on this losing streak um, kind of after that. And that's when the, the team with Tanahashi started and, you know, the, the quest for the tag team titles and, and we saw kind of pre-pandemic, Tanahashi was kind of the star of that team, was kind of carrying that team. Um, and then when they came back from the pandemic, things kind of flip-flop, and Ibushi was kind of the star of the team, and Tanahashi was the one that continued to get pinned. And so, like you mentioned, Chris, you got to wonder, since he's been so focused on tag team wrestling, how is that going to translate now into singles? When we lost, saw him in singles action, he was kind of on this losing, um, on this losing role and kind of had bad momentum. But the interesting thing, you know, Josh, you brought up a, a redemption arc with Ibushi. His first, um, well, his first two matches are against the two guys he lost to at the Tokyo Dome. The first night he has Kazuchika Okada, and then the second mm. A block night he has Jay White. So there's a chance, like, if you want to do a redemption story, he can beat the two guys he lost to back-to-back in the first two matches of the block. I think that re- would reestablish him as a player, and I think that that's maybe a smart move um 
but I, I think that that just puts him in the conversation uh, as the tournament goes on. And then I think we potentially see a couple upsets um, later on down the line. So I think, I mean, I, he's Ibushi's one of my favorite wrestlers. I love watching him. I would love for New Japan to, to go with him, but I don't think that right now is the time to, to do that. Um, so like, I, I think we're all kind of aligned there in, in, in that sense. We're like, he's, he's always in the mix because he's a top, he's a top guy. Um, he's a believable champion, but I think to give someone like that or for someone like that to win two G once in a row and even to be in three finals is uh, that's it's unprecedented and it would be really surprising. Yeah, it's unlikely just because of the magnitude of the tournament and what history tells us. One final talking point. Um, after the feud with Dangerous Techers, you know, Kota Bushi and Tanahashi were talking about moving on to singles. And then obviously the G1's here. So, of course, they have to focus on singles. But um, I don't think the story with them and Dangerous Techers is just quite done. And I don't think the story, whatever it may end up being between him and Tanahashi, is done because... On October 16th, the final night of A Block, he is wrestling Tai Chi, um, which doesn't scream to me, you know, potential A Block determinant match. But it does sound like a continuation of whatever the feud was that they had prior to this tournament starting. And also, on the 17th, Tanahashi is fighting Zack Sabre Jr. So yeah, definitely some breadcrumbs there and potential for this Dangerous Techers Golden Aces feud to continue post G1. So out of all the guys in this A block, who are you guys most looking forward to seeing Ibushi wrestle? If you had to just pick one guy, like what's what's the one matchup of Ibushi's that you're really looking forward to? Well he's got two first time matchups. One of them is a dream match. So it's gonna be all of our choice. <laughs> and, and one of them is is Jeff Cobb, which is also great. Don't get me wrong by any means. I think Cobb and Ibushi might have great chemistry, but we're getting Kota Ibushi and Shingo Takagi in a singles match, and I cannot wait um to see what those two guys can put together. That's that's my match of the tournament, like circled and starred, and I Ooh. will I will I will be most excited for that match. Nice. Mark. Young, young, <laughs> young boy, you going the same? Uh, you know, that's got to be it for me. I mean, Abushi and Ishii was our uh, strong style fight of the year two years ago. So you can't deny the magnitude of seeing them wrestle again. And I think right now, Abushi and Okada is my match of the year. So, I mean, that's, you know, outstanding. But, dude, him and Shingo never happened which is kind of crazy with like Kotobushi's freelance situation in the past but you know Shingo spent all those years in Dragon Gate they're so exclusionary like it's never happened and it's like <laughs> they're both on fire this is the time like Abushi shows up during G1 Shingo's always on like I can't wait man like that might end up being a match of the year contender uh you know, someone asked us a few weeks ago, do we think anyone's getting like five stars in this pandemic, you know, era? And I said, I thought it was going to be really hard, but that might be able to do it, honestly. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I'm definitely, you know, salivating over this uh, Shingo Abushi matchup. It's going to be hard hitting. It's going to be fast paced. There's going to be a lot of crazy spots and it's just going to be an overall awesome matchup. But um, also kind of like you, Josh, Okada is another one I have circled. Obviously, they had a great match in the G1 last year, they had an excellent 
you know, match of the year, probably the match of the year for this year at the Tokyo Dome on uh, January 4th. So we, we've seen the magic these guys can do. So, you know, a third matchup here in the G1 setting again, like that's going to be probably another incredible matchup. I love that they, they've they had this kind of, Okada and, and Ibushi have had this kind of classic new trilogy this year. So G1 Block Finals, Wrestle Kingdom, G1 Night 1. Like that is, it's very much what they did with Naito and Omega. Um, not, not necessarily Wrestle Kingdom, but going back to it with the first night of a block. Um, so it's, that's really, I think that's cool. I think it's, it's going to set us off to have a great G1. It really is going to set the tone that this is, um, this is their new Japan is back in earnest and for real. And they're going to remind everyone that this is the, the world class of singles, heavyweight wrestling. Yeah. So any final thoughts on the golden star? No, I think we did it. Let's, uh, let's move on to, uh, Jeff Cobb. Yeah, Jeff Cobbu, uh, second entry, second consecutive uh, time in the G1 climax. Uh, interesting thing, it, it it might seem like there's some rumors that Jeff Cobb might be signed to uh, NJPW. You know, typically when they have ROH guys in uh, New Japan, they normally have like the ROH logo next to their name in the graphics, and he he had the lion mark next to his name. And we do know based off of interviews, he said there was a place that he signed, and he was waiting for that place to announce that he was signed. So. It's seeming very likely that he is under full-time contract. And I mentioned that because um, as a full-time contracted guy, I think that kind of helps him out being full-time versus being an ROH outsider guy. You would think it didn't help Elgin that much, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, Jeff Cobb, uh, outstanding talent, um, you know, super athletic, strong you know, very charismatic, but, uh, this is his second G1. I was less than really impressed with his previous G1. In fact, I'll tell you the truth. Um, and this isn't really to diminish him in any way, but like a lot of times the idea of Jeff Cobb on paper ends up being more appealing to me than what we actually see presented, you know, when the matches come to play, like, I couldn't tell you a single Jeff Cobb match personally that I really remember from last year's G1 that impressed me. Um, I, there might have been some, but nothing really comes to mind. Um, so, but given the block that's here and there's so many guys, I think he's never worked with really in a singles capacity. Um, I think he's going to grow a lot from it, but also he's probably going to end up having some of those matches that we have yet to kind of see from him in new Japan. And like you mentioned, Jeremy, if he is signed, um, then all bets are off. You know, this might be his time to shine. Uh, as far as like winning, I think he's one of the two least likely, uh, competitors in this block to even go to a final. Like I can't even see him making a block final, but, um, I think I'll have a strong showing. I don't know, two, three wins, maybe four, um, but maybe, maybe he can get like a, a never title shot or a British title shot out of this and kind of catapult him into something like that afterwards. Yeah. So Cobb's got three first time matchups. Uh, it's Ibushi, Okada and Yujiro. So, um, the, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do with Ibushi and Okada. Certainly. 
Um, he he'll have re or rematches with Shingo, Taichi, Suzuki, Osprey, and Jay White. I believe all of those, all of maybe all of those, uh, except for Osprey and Suzuki. So just two of them were last year's G1. So, um, I have a question, I guess. So Cobb had eight points last year, over under eight points this year. Under, um, you think he regresses? It, it might be a push though. Um, I mean, this is a much tougher block that he's in this year than he was last year. Yes, absolutely. I, I'm going to say he's, he's going to stay flat. I can see him getting eight points again. So he doesn't have a win over... He's 0-3 against Ishii. He beat Shingo last year. 1-1 um, and with Taichi. 0-1 with Suzuki. And he beat Will Ospreay in uh, MSG. Garden. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you, Chris, when you say one on one with Suzuki, are those new Japan matches or are you sorry? Owen, Owen, one with Suzuki, one on one with Tai Chi. Okay, those because they've had ma- other matches outside of New Japan, so you're just giving the New Japan stats at this point, right? Um, I thought I had everything, but I may be wrong because I know that they wrestled in OTT and then I know we watched them wrestle at like WrestleCon the same year. Okay, then I just don't have those in my, my records. Singles? No. Yeah, they were both singles matches. Like we watched that, right, Jeremy? Yeah, that was uh Rev Pro New Orleans uh twenty eighteen Cobb. Yeah, Suzuki won with a choke on Cobb. Yeah, right I'm pretty on. sure I'm pretty sure Suzuki beat him both times. I be I think he beat him in Rev Pro and I think he beat him I think he beat him at Scrapper Mania. Yeah. Um but I don't even know if you would count those in, in the canon of this is kind of the reason I was asking because I don't know if Yeah, because all I've got is their Rev Pro. Uh, yeah. Okay. No worries. Which was WrestleCon, but I don't, so I don't have anything else. Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe they didn't have the rematch at OTT that I, I don't remember, but, um, either way that, you know what, that Suzuki and, um, Jeff Cobb match was very good. And I actually think it might be to my recollection, the best Cobb singles match that he's had with any of these guys. Uh, the Osprey match was really good at the garden too. Oh yeah, it was. That yeah, was, we a, were there it too. was a good sprint. Um, so I mean, he's got it in him. Um, and this will be a good block for Cobb. So I, I think we've seen it, and we've seen it with some of these guys too. So, but I, you know, I don't think Cobb's gonna win anything. But I, th- I if I had to put money on it, I'd give him eight points again. Um, I don't know where they come from necessarily, but I think that. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's tough, right? Like, yeah. I mean, maybe Suzuki because that that could set him up with a, a never a never situation. I mean, obviously you've got Yujiro, so that's a free two. I think he could um, be Tai Chi. He could be Tai Chi, yeah. And I, you know, I'd have to look at where that's going to land and if it's going to goof things up for for what they're looking at. But and but I don't think. I don't know. I don't think he takes out Osprey unless they want him to do a ref pro match too. He, but that's the thing. Like, I think Cobb is the kind of utility guy where honestly, he has enough credibility. I personally think he could beat anybody in this block, but he's just not going to consistently beat everybody in the block. That's the problem. I think he could beat. I mean, oh, the one guy who's kind of hard for me to believe is maybe Okada is like the one guy, but I could see him beating Shingo. Why not? You know, Jay White, why not? You know, one night just to kind of even things up. Like, uh, I think Jeff Cobb is kind of a crapshoot when you're actually making your brackets because you can kind of place them however you actually need to. And that that makes him unpredictable in my book. He did beat Shingo last year. So 
um, that's got to come into play here somehow. Yeah, and I agree with you guys. I don't think he's going. He has any chance of winning this block or getting you know getting close. Like I, I agree with you, Chris. I think he's going to be in that that eight point range again. And I think he's going to produce really well. I mean, in this A block, he's going to be in t- against some, some tough guys and some really great wrestlers. I think we're going to see probably Cobb's uh, best G1 this year. Um, so is there one match that you guys think is going to be his best match or the one you're really looking forward to? You know, I think for me, uh, the match I'm looking most forward to for him, I know there's anticipation for the new matches, but I – I've got to say probably Suzuki uh, just because Suzuki's a master and um, you know, Jeff Cobb is kind of a hybrid. A lot of people see him. They think he's going to be like this bruiser kind of like strong style type of guy. And he really isn't like, he's almost like a hybrid indie athletic type, but um, his style meshes really well with Suzuki. We've seen it in the past and I'm excited to kind of see, you know, the simple story, but also yet violent that they end up uh, producing together. Plus, I think that he might be a good candidate for that never division. So I think that that's a, one to kind of really look out for. Plus, Suzuki, if he likes you, I don't know if he does, but if he likes you, he'll go out of his way to try and make you. Um, I mean, you kind of can't go wrong. Uh, Cobb's a good hand, right? And But I think that I think New Japan sees him as something more than that. Um, he's he's the Haas foreigner, right? And they had to get that in this G1, and he's the guy. And it it I think what happens with Cobb over this tournament is going to be really telling for where he stands with New Japan. So, uh, you know, I think the match with Suzuki is probably the one that I've got targeted for something to watch, but also Ishii. Um, I, they've had some good matches in the past and I think yeah. that, um, that's something to look out for too. That may be his comfort zone of like when he can really show up and have a banger. Uh, for me, I, I got the Will Ospreay match circled. I, I really enjoyed their opener from Madison Square Garden. Um, seeing that match live, I thought it was a great matchup and they, those guys, they can, can kind of have that almost PWG slash indie style matchup on, on the card. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> uh, we uh, we don't we're not there yet, but we don't even know what we're getting with Will Osprey this year, right? But I mean, I still think that matchup they had a great matchup before. I think that's gonna be that could end up probably being one of Cobb's best matches of the tournament. Nice. So now we're gonna move on to the Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada with his ninth entry, ninth consecutive 2012 and 2014 G One winner. So what are we thinking about the chances for the Rainmaker here? <laughs> um, I think that there is a very good likelihood that Okada wins this. Um, I I think Okada's going to I don't know if he's gonna be in the quote unquote block final determinant match, but he's gonna be alive in my book on the final day. That's just historically what they typically do with him since say 2012. <laughs> um and he may even be in the actual final itself. And there's a good possibility he wins this. Um, Some of the reasons why I know some people probably are not, you know, a big fan of it. You know, they're probably saying like, Hey, we just saw Naito and him last year. But if in fact we, we find out that they can't do a full capacity um, Tokyo dome type style show, this is still one of the biggest domestic matches that they could possibly do. 
and we saw that evidenced last year. Uh, it was a fantastic match, and it would be the fourth, you know, Wrestle Kingdom that Okada and Naito ended up doing together. Um, but you know, it would be a different dynamic because Naito would be going in as the defending champion, and Okada's the challenger. So there'd kind of be a different, uh, you know, sort of thing going on there. Um, I, I think Okada has a really, really good chance at winning this thing. Plus, like, I don't know, it's Okada. What else do you do with him? If he's not fighting for the title or, you know, defending the title, then he's in a KOPW tournament and things are just fucked or he's, like, carrying balloons around. Like, I don't know. <laughs> he's going to go get a Little League trophy. Okay, hear me out. <laughs> and he's going to tape a, a ring to the top of it, a wrestling ring, and he's going <laughs> to spray paint it gold and he's going to come up with a goofy thing, but he's going to have a press conference about it. And then he's going to lose to Toru Yano. That's what he's going to do. <laughs> um, Okada is... He's hes only won two G1s, and it's been a while, right? And it's been a while since Okada had or his G1 moment, right? He's been... Literally just been the champ forever. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but... Okada still is he has the second highest winning percentage of any G1 competitor who's participated in more than 20 matches, even though he's only won, you know, he's won two, but he um, it's, it's been so long since he's been victorious. So he's always in the mix. He's going to be in the mix again. Um, on the last night, he's got Will Ospreay. So like, if you, you know, you jump to the end of the, the end of the, of the schedule and you see what those what those cards look like um will osprey we don't really know what we're working with kind of like you mentioned um josh like we don't really know what we're working with with will osprey so we don't really and we don't really know how new japan sees will osprey right now um especially as he's truly in the heavyweight division now he's not going to come into this tournament like he did last year as the junior heavyweight champion so um kind of hard to tell exactly where we're headed with Okada knowing that Osprey's his last matchup. So, but uh, he's got to be in the mix. Um, and it, it wouldn't surprise me to see him win. Um, I don't love the idea of them bouncing right back to Okada and Naito, but it is, it's the biggest match they can do. Um, and I'm assuming by the end of this tournament, they've got a pretty good idea of, of, how many people and how many tickets they're going to be able to sell if they're if they're running the dome on the fourth? I assume they'll also announce that during this tour. Yeah, yeah, it's been really really weird. We haven't really had much uh, announcements about what January fourth is going to look like. Uh, but I agree with you. I think even if they don't one hundred percent know like what it's going to look like, you can't go wrong with booking Okada and Naito, whether you can do a bigger audience or not. And like you mentioned, Josh, the, the story is going to be a little bit different this time with Naito going in as the champion and Okada coming in as the challenger. So it's a whole kind of different perspective and twist to that whole story right there. So it's even though it's a, obviously a matchup we've seen several times and we saw it last year, it's, it's still kind of a fresh perspective and still a big drawing match. And so whether or not you're you know or don't know what you can do, it's it's kind of a safe bet to go with, especially if you don't want to blow off a you know a big protected match. You don't want to do, you know, Naito versus somebody else that he hasn't faced yet. So, allow think- me to put on my uh, Chris Samsa hat for one moment. I have a stat that I just did research on via Wikipedia. Um, since 2012, 
every single G1 climax that uh, Okada's been in where he wasn't the champion, he's won except for in 2018, which was the year that uh, Tanahashi beat Ibushi. Right. And that was the year where he was broken and carrying red balloons and had red hair. Um, so <laughs> we don't really have that version of him. I don't know. Like, I know people don't like to hear this sort of thing, but like sometimes New Japan, as unpredictable as this tournament is, the most predictable thing they could possibly do is have Okada just win it. And for business, that might make the most bottom line sense. Right. And he, and he's still the ace of the company. Like you mentioned, Chris, you know, hasn't won it since 2014. That's six year drought of him, you know, winning or, or having some really big G1 moments. So as a guy who's still, you know, he's like, what, 32, still young, still the face of your company, like, he could easily, you know, win this and kind of catapult him back up to kind of the top top dog there. Yeah, I was going to say, he's he's coming in cold, um, but that's that's a tried and true story with the G1. Um, the winner the winner almost always comes in cold, and I think, um, I think if Okada loses to Ibushi on night one, he's winning the tournament. <laughs> mm. Mm, that's I mean, interesting. Yeah, I think they need to rehab Abushi a little bit, but not too much. So, but uh, yeah, so that's kind of that's that's my that's the match I'll be looking out for in a sense of determining the winner of the tournament. Now, if Okada wins, uh, I'm not really sure. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure where we're headed. What do you guys think of the prospect of doing Okada and Naito as the G1 final? That is very interesting. Oh. And I know, you know, typically they don't end up doing, typically the champion doesn't ever win. And then also, you know, they wouldn't want to do, look, last year was kind of the first year in a while we saw where the, the champion and the winner were in the same block and ended up facing off again in the Tokyo Dome because they were doing the whole double gold dash thing. And so it would be very interesting if they ended up doing it at the, uh, the G1 finals and then end up running it back at the dome again. I think the chances for that are slim, but I mean, it could happen. Imagine I mean, them running that match twice on one day's notice, right? right? It, seems, it seems wild, but it's also, it, I mean, it's intriguing. I would love it. Um, but for business, I'm not sure that that's the most sensible thing to do because G1 final is going to sell out. I, I would agree with you, but then like you just mentioned, it's going to sell out. Um, so maybe that's not a bad place to potentially do it. You know what I mean? Like um, 2020 is just a screw year. Like we don't really know what Gato's actually thinking given the circumstances. So that's hard to say. Um, the one thing I think is really important to look out for here at the end of it all, um, Okada's got Osprey on the final night and Osprey has never defeated Kazushika Okada in singles action. So, there's a story there and I don't know, you know, what that really entails. If that means, you know, good things for Osprey or if that's a, a sure sign that Okada is going to, you know, have a, basically essentially a buy in the final night. I don't know. Yeah. And he's, I mean, Owen four, and that's been a story that they've told um, the, that Osprey can't get over that hump. So um curious what that looks like. I don't think this is the time to do that big win for Osprey in that, in that position, but I also, I, you know, you can't ever rule out the last night being a draw and someone 
dastardly yes sneaking, sneaking in, in yeah um at bon, the end bon uh, and his name is his name is jay white that is exactly a scenario me and jeremy off the air have discussed i was like you know the thing with okada he has the probably the longest matches most of the time because he is in main events on a lot of the evenings of the g1 just traditionally and so if anyone is going to have you know a draw he's the most likely of anyone in the tournament and what a way if they did go that way with him and Osprey. Like Osprey doesn't beat him, but he pushes him to his limit on the final night. They tie, and that creates a buy for somebody else. That's a very feasible uh, booking scenario. In fact, I think we're giving ideas probably to a lot of uh, listeners right now. Yeah, Okada's got four main events uh, scheduled, and then obviously the last night here is not um, is not. We don't have a card order just yet. So the only person with more main events throughout the whole tournament is um, Naito with five. Which makes sense as the, the double champion. As the champ, yeah. yeah. So what's the match you guys got circled for Okada you're looking forward to? Oh, Shingo. <laughs> <laughs> Shocker. Um, I'll go with Ibushi just because I think it, it's going to be so meaningful for the tournament. I love I love the, where they've placed each match in their in their current trilogy, um, and those guys they're my two favorite matches over the last calendar year have been those two guys. I think. Yeah, also you know Shingo is always an, an easy answer to say, but just, just to mix it up, I'm also looking forward to the Minoru Suzuki rematch. We we see we've seen them have some great matchups. You know, last year they had the Royal Quest match. Uh, the main event for the IWGP title. I really loved that match, and they had the the epic uh, match in the rain um, for Suzuki's like anniversary show, which was great. I uh, really enjoyed that. And so these guys just have great chemistry, and you know Suzuki's the, the tough man match for Okada, and uh, you know always pushes Okada to the brink. And so looking forward to from these guys clash. You got to figure Suzuki's a, a candidate for a draw too, because that's part of their story. Right. Uh, they're they're kind of long term story. They've draw. They've had two time limit time limit draws at thirty minutes. So, um, you know, I mean, if you're looking for opportunities for draws, they don't do them very often, and they do when they do, it ends up being relatively meaningful. But um, you know, Suzuki and Okada, their matches go long. I mean, that's just part of their part of their history yeah suzuki is also somebody that could hypothetically beat okada absolutely especially with okada i know he's got an aura about him and he's gonna probably win i don't know seven matches six or seven most likely um but he's not the champion so you don't have that automatic title shot scenario going necessarily so i mean it kind of opens the field up for potential losses more so than other years. Yeah. So uh, any final thoughts on the Rainmaker? Nah, let's talk about the stone pit ball. Yeah. St- pit bull. <laughs> yeah, the pit stone ball. <laughs> he, stone pit ball. He is a ball. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, the stone pit ball. Stone, so now, I'm not, I'm, now I'm saying it. Stone pit bull. Tomohiro Ishii. Eighth, eighth entry. Eighth consecutive entry. He is one third of the never open weight six man champions. So how are we feeling about uh, Ishii? Eighth tournament. Does he, does he have a shot of winning the A block? I don't know, but he's the G1 MVP of, of this of this era, right? I mean, like, who has better G1 matches 
consistently and steadily than than Tomohiro Ishii. I mean, like, what a boss! And and he can take some losses, whatever. Like he he's not winning this tournament. He's not winning this block. But damn, I'm gonna watch every single match he has, uh, except I might skip the Utero one. <laughs> <laughs> You know, ECE, like, um, the big thing to look out for here is, like, when he does take losses, that might open up never open weight six-man tag team title opportunities for people. I mean, you know, that's a big deal. So <laughs> <laughs> you just never know. You know, Will Osprey might come for those six-mans. Uh, but in all seriousness, Ishii, um, it's, it, it's hard because, you know, my heart is with Tomohiro Ishii. He's one of my all-time favorite guys, but I also am realistic about the fact that he's not winning this thing. However, he's another person that, like, he always gets big wins in these tournaments. So, like, he's going to beat some of these top names for sure because he always does every single year. But he's also going to take multiple losses. Like, I probably see him in a tough block like this only winning, like, four maybe five at most, like I'm going to cap it at five. Um, but like Chris said, like he, he put it perfect. Like he is usually the MVP. And so regardless of wins or losses, like he's going to be the guy in this tournament most likely. And like, he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down this year at all. Ishii had, uh, he went four and five last year. So you, you got to figure he stays in that range. Um, he has, one first time match. Y'all want to guess who it is? Um, is it's Yujiro. Yeah, you, yeah, you drew. No, it's not. Uh, um, oh, it's Will Osprey. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's in our face, Osprey. Which seems wild because, like, you see him in the ring together a lot, right? In in Chaos Multi Man's, but um, yeah, they've never faced off in one on one. So that'll that'll be a fun one. I think. I think that's one to one to circle just to see what. Will brings to the table in an Ishii match. Yeah, since we're on the subject, I can save us some time and tell you right now that is my most anticipated Ishii match. It has been since I saw the block open up. Obviously, there's so many people that we know Ishii produces fireworks with, but him and Will is going to be just insane mental. So, like, yeah, yeah, Jeremy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm also looking forward to that Will Osprey match. That's going to be absolutely incredible, especially if we're getting a more you know, bruiser, heavyweight style, Osprey. And like I mentioned, Suzuki being like Okada's real man match, this could end up being like a real man match for Osprey with Ishii just, you know, bruising him with the forearms and the headbutts and all that stuff. And I think the big thing for Ishii in, in this year's tournament in this block is looking out for his matches against the champions. Like, I think he could beat Suzuki to set up a never title match for Power Struggle. Uh, I think he the, the Osprey match, he could beat Will Osprey. You know, Ishii's been is a former Rev Pro British champion. And so I think. Um, he could beat Osprey, and then that could set up a, a Rev Pro British title match um, at Power Struggle. Yeah, let's do it. So yeah, so that's uh, definitely what I'm looking forward to there. Uh, so any other thoughts on Ishii? Can't wait. Unfuckable with. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's move on then to the guy that we just mentioned that we're looking forward to seeing him wrestle, the aerial assassin, Will Ospreay, with his second entry, second consecutive uh, tournament. Uh, do you have a question here from Reddit user Viking Pain? 
Uh, it says there was a lot of heat on New Japan for including Will Ospreay in the G1 from fans on social media. Now, we all know Ospreay is one of the best wrestlers in the world, but the hashtag MeToo stuff has really put him in bad light. Do you guys think it would have been better for New Japan to have excluded him this year and gave his spot to someone else like Kojima? So, Chris, well, Chris we've kind of talked about the, uh, the Ospreay stuff. What are, what are your opinions on Ospreay being involved in tournament? Um, I mean, I think if they were going to keep working with him long term, they're they were going to put him in the tournament. So I think that that's the decision that New Japan has clearly made. Um, whether they've looked deep into uh, the allegations against him, I you know I don't know. I'm not privy to that information by any means. But um, you know, it, he's a really good wrestler. He's um. He's someone that they've clearly wanted to invest in. And I think that time will tell, you know, time will tell if this is derailing for him. Um, if he's going to end up being one of those guys that never gets over the hump. And if this was a part of it, or if, um, if they just roll with it and, 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 and maybe they have done their, their own internal investigation. I don't think a company like new Japan is going to be a company that, um goes super public with what you know their findings um that doesn't seem to be how they operate so i'm i'm gonna go ahead and trust that um it's on their radar they i i don't even have to trust that i know that based on conversations i've had with uh, people over there like they they know what what's happening to some extent i don't know that they understand the the gravity of it just because culturally it's it's such a different um it's a different world. It's a different culture. So I don't, I don't know that it translates to be perfectly honest. So I don't know. I, I'm going to keep talking about his matches. I'm going to keep analyzing how he operates in the ring. Um, and I'm, I'm, but I'm not surprised to see him included in this. Yeah. And kind of similar take to you. Uh, we're, we're still going to cover his matches and cover everything he does in ring um, if we get any more updates on kind of the other stuff, we'll obviously we'll cover that too. And hopefully, if there you know if more is to come, New Japan takes some kind of action. I, I just don't like that Jeremy says we as if I've already agreed to this. I'm actually going to be uh, abstaining from covering any Will Osprey uh, going forward until his name gets cleared. So, dunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got no, awkward. Uh, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as Osprey in the tournament, I mean, I think the big thing here is he's like 265 pounds right now, um, which is just insane. Um, I haven't seen his most two recent matches in RevPro, which were taped, I guess, very recently. Um, so I don't really know what to expect here. Like, I don't know if we're getting... Um, you know, big boy <laughs> Bill, who's just like Jack, but still as like fluid big as ever. Boy Bill, <laughs> you just called him Big Boy Bill. Yeah, I made that up on the spot. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know if we're getting like like um, Uber Osprey, you know, and he's still gonna be as you know fluid and agile and high flying as he ever was, or if like all this time away from, from the sport has like made him adjust things. And like, 
suddenly he's going to be like, I don't know, wrestling King's road style or some shit. Like, I don't know uh, what, I don't even know what this is. Like, to be honest with you, um, the thing that's undeniable is every facet of pro wrestling that Will Ospreay has ever like attempted or shown us. He's more than adept. Like he's world-class. He's one of the greatest talents of a generation, maybe of all time. So I'm excited. Um, And the other thing too, is what I mentioned earlier, the fact that he is wrestling Okada on the final night. I think that is a key indicator that not only is he going to do well in this tournament, but he, I think he's going to be alive at the end. I don't see him in this plucky underdog role as like the way he came in last year as the junior champion, who was just kind of there to give people great performances and, you know, have, have a strong showing, but ultimately eat losses. That's not what's happening here. I don't think personally, um, I don't know that he's winning it, but if they really wanted to like, you know, everyone was like, well, this year was a great time for them to really try something new with evil because of the situation, the circumstances. And then they went with evil. You can make that same argument with Will Ospreay right now. If there was ever a time that you wanted to just try and go with him, A, here's one thing. Look at all the competitors that are in this block. How many of them have wrestled Naito in the last 18 months? Almost all of them, except Will Ospreay. If there was a big match that you wanted to do at the Tokyo Dome, that would draw. That has never been done before. It is him and Will Ospreay. And if there's someone that you wanted to give the push to, a la Kenny Omega, it is him. You could really make a big star, money-making star out of him right now if you want to do it. I'm not saying they're going to do that, but him and Okada in the final night tells me it's a little bit more than just a redemption storyline or something. He's going to be alive on that final night. I really think that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I, I think yeah, that, that, that Okada-Osprey match is definitely kind of big indicator. It's definitely somehow that's going to play into who's, who's winning the A block, whether that's Maybe the Osprey one ends up spoiling Okada, or Okada ends up beating him to knock him out, or they go to the draw that pushes somebody through. That match is definitely going to be an indicator for who's going to win the A block. If I had to bet, I would say that's probably going to be the last match of the night with various. This this is a block that you know you're going to have various scenarios um, popping up. So yeah, I mean we're all going to have to wait to see what Will Osprey is going to be, um, in this tournament, at least past night one, because night one, he's going to mess around with Yujiro. So, <laughs> but his second match is, is, um, uh, Ishii. So that'll be, that'll be, that'll be telling to see if we were getting big boy, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also think, um, you know, in the past couple of years, we've had, the MVPs have always been Abushi and Ishii. I do think that Will, as a heavyweight, is going to give them a big run for their money in this block this year. And uh, something else I want to point out that you mentioned, Josh. You know, you talked about you know Osprey wrestling different styles and you know being great at other stuff besides just the high flying. I think we saw you know a lot of that with his feud with Zack Saber recently and being able to wrestle that technical and mat style. And so I think we might see some more of that kind of sprinkled in in this kind of new heavyweight style on top of maybe some some flips, maybe not as crazy flips as before, but I still think there'll be some kind of flippy do from him. I, I hope he throws like mad strikes like never before, like just like elbows, knees and like headbutts and just like goes ham. <laughs> 
Uh, so last year's G1, 13 wrestlers had eight points. Will Ospreay was one of them. Is he one of the guys that gets to advance past that? Uh, I guess over 500 this year. Yeah, I would say yeah. I would I would take the over off yeah. on that. Yeah, I think he at least gets to to 10. I'm not anticipating that anyone in the B block actually wins this tournament personally. Uh, just historically, that's uh, I know last year that happened, and it or whatever block the champion is, and usually the winner does not come from that block. It happened last year, uh, which was unlikely. But historically, it doesn't usually happen. So I'm in, I'm anticipating an A block person win. But if someone did win in B block, I could still even see Osprey going to a final, and then maybe even potentially quote unquote losing. Like that also could make sense to me. I, I I'm not anticipating it, but that's a scenario that does exist. Yeah. That's one of those things I like to throw out there is that anyone can win a block, right? Like there's no there's not a ton of long term repercussions for for somebody winning a block. You don't. You don't advance anything. You, you're not owed anything for winning the block and then losing in the final. So if they want to make Will a star, right? If they're if, if that's someone they want to strap the rocket to, he could definitely win the block and that would be accomplished. And, and still, you don't have to necessarily put him in the main event at the Tokyo Dome just yet because they're probably not ready for that. Well, there is one thing, um, and this is generalization. I know this isn't as like official as like some of the stats you threw out there uh chris but one thing me and jeremy have noticed and i throw it out there almost every year usually the runner up in um g1 almost always wins a secondary title at wrestle kingdom almost always so they do kind of get a push afterwards regardless that's fascinating i'm gonna pull a bunch of data on that when we get off this because i'm it's, now i'm super curious about it so, it's it's that's something awesome. that it's something that i like noticed on my own i've never like published it but like jeremy i've mentioned that on the air like many times right? yeah definitely every time g1 season comes around you mentioned that stat and you know with him as a rev pro champion i don't know if that that will count of him having like a big defense against somebody or does he end up potentially you know get back in that never mix um you know he was a never champion last year you do like him and Suzuki again, like he beat Suzuki and then somehow gets a match with Suzuki against Slater. So um, there's a lot of options they could do there with Osprey, even if he doesn't win the G1 or this block and they want and they want to push him. Yeah. And so we know there's a, a ton of great matches here lined up for him, but what's the one that you guys got circled? Shingo. I the mean, rematch. Sh- <laughs> I mean, the rematch for Shingo. It's in Kobe World Hall, right? I mean, like that's, that's awesome. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, you know, Shingo Osprey was you know one of the, the you know top matches of the year last year, and so just the epic that epic best Super Junior final, and so yeah, having that again, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, most of the guys in this block, not all. There's a couple. I think there's one or two first time matchups, but for the most part, he he's already had outstanding matches with the majority of this block, so we kind of know what that entails. But for me, it, it's still Tomohiro Ishii just because as great as the Shingo match was, you know, and that was a match of the year, you know, the year last year, him and Ishii have never wrestled. And so it's like, for me, it's like that forbidden door. It's like, what what is behind that door? I got to see it. Like, I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, that, that match is going to be great also. Jeremy, you got one? Uh, I said Shingo. That, that's, oh, my bad. Okay, yeah, so yeah. two to one. So. <laughs> 
I mean, that match, there, that Best of Super Juniors final was, I mean, both comically a Best of Super Juniors final because they're both pretty big boys, even at that point. But, I, you know, to see them in a rematch, in a match that, you know, they clearly had good chemistry. Like, yeah, I mean, put that right in my veins. Let's go. Yeah. And, of course, you know, you know, Shingo, he needs to get that win back. You know, he got embarrassed. You know, <laughs> he, he cleaned his block out, thought he was going to, you know, waltz right through and, you know, wipe the floor with Osprey and ended up, you know, getting slain um, by Osprey. And so, you know, he's well, – Me and Jeremy, we reviewed every single uh, – Super Juniors final for our project this past year and when when we got done we came to the same conclusion that this is literally the greatest final of all time. I know it was like speculated but like from our own personal observations it clearly was. So, you know, I I don't doubt you guys but uh you know, we got to move on to Shingo. He's next, but Jeremy, you brought up a great talking point is it is a rematch. Gato typically likes to book in tournaments where guys get their wins back, you know. And New Japan is not a 50-50 company, but a lot of times you see instances where someone got beat in a high-profile match. Come G1 season, they usually, unless there's a story going on, they get that win back. So, I mean, Shingo's next, him and Will Ospreay. If he does get that win back, that might be like something to kind of look out for that maybe does knock Ospreay out of contention. I don't know. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on Shingo in this tournament? Yeah, so yeah, Shingo Takagi, second entry, second consecutive, and... Um, you know, it's very interesting. They've been trying to do this match again. So New Japan Cup, they were originally scheduled off to face each other in the opening uh, of their bracket. So they've definitely had plans to do this match again. You know, if maybe if they face off a New Japan Cup, it wouldn't be happening here in the G1. Um, so for whatever, there's some kind of story that they want to tell with those two guys. And they definitely want to have this match again. So they, they made sure to place them in the same block. And so I definitely think that is a story that you can have, and you can either do the, the route of Sh- uh, Shingo kind of getting revenge and beating Osprey in a big tournament match, or you, you do the story of Osprey having Shingo's number, and Osprey's at that one guy that Shingo just can't figure out. I think Shingo's getting his win back. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, that I just I can't imagine them booking it any other way. Um, but. If they're strapping a rocket to Will, then maybe that's not the case. But I, I, that's not my read on what's happening. I think Will's going to be a player. I think they're going to establish him, but I don't think they're necessarily going to like rocket strap him to the moon. And I think that means he's got to eat some, you know, one or two big losses in big matches. So the thing about the Shingo, um, the Shingo Osprey match is that that's not even the main event that night. So that's on that's on night five, September twenty seventh. And the main event that night is Okada and Jay White, which is mm. another match that they've been trying to do. Um, they were booked at the beginning of the original New Japan Cup, too. So, And Osprey and Shingo is sandwiched on the other side by Ibushi and Ishii. So that's a card. Dude, that night's uh, going to be folks. incredible. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, what a trio. I mean, before that, you've got Cobb and Suzuki, which is nothing to scoff at. And probably the most interesting Yujiro match against Taichi opening things up. So night five, September 27th. And I'm sure we're going to talk about like cards to watch for, but like that one, uh, you know, mark your calendars. Definitely. You know, Shingo is such an interesting case because before we got the actual cards, Jeremy, you were saying Shingo was like your favorite to win the tournament. But then on the final night, they've got him. Who do they have him face off against with? Is it, uh, 
I can't. Oh, it's Minoru Suzuki, right? Yeah, the final night he has Suzuki. Which obviously he just dropped the never title to Suzuki. And that's a very, uh, again, when we talk about rematches, especially high stakes ones, that's a, a major thing there. Um, of course, you know, there's no telling how this is all going to get booked out. Could Shingo and Suzuki be a, a, a determinant block match? Of course it could possibly, but I think it's unlikely. Um, you know, Shingo last year came into the tournament. He had just graduated to heavyweight. And it was sort of like what you had mentioned, Chris, when you talked about how you see Will Ospreay being like uh, Shingo was a player last year. He was kind of established, but he wasn't like going to win it. And then a lot of people anticipated that this year might be a year that maybe they go with him. You know, that would be a big match. Him and Naito, there's history there, LIJ, yada, yada. But then you look at the block that they put him in and it's like – if they put him in that B block, I would go with Shingo all day. But in the A block, it's really hard. I mean, the matches are phenomenal and outstanding. And I think he's going to do really well. But when I look at who he has to face, and then I look at who he's facing on the last night, I think he'll probably get his win back against Suzuki. But beating Suzuki on the final night, to me, doesn't scream you're getting a G you're getting a wrestle kingdom. So I think his chances of winning are actually very low personally. I, I don't think he's winning. I think he's going to get four or five big wins, kind of like Ishii, um, you know, but that's about it. I think that's his place in the, in the tournament. And uh, it, it's, it's interesting because he's not going to win, but I'm so excited that he's here because there's, I think he has the most first time matchups of anybody in the block and I'm just guessing, but no, that's he, just, does. he does. So I, I can't wait, but uh, I think that – now, here's one thing I also threw out to Jeremy when we were talking off the phone. What if he is alive on the last night and Suzuki spoils him? Because hypothetically, that could create enough um, like impetus for him to want to fight Suzuki to get over that hump. That could be a story where like he was alive – he got beat again. He can't get past Suzuki. They got to fight at Wrestle Kingdom. That could be a real story. I mean, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the last night card, the last day block night, so October 16th. And so we've got Ibushi versus Taichi, Jeff Cobb versus Yujiro, Shingo versus Suzuki, Ishii versus Jay White, Okada versus Osprey. I mean, there's there's two guys in there that I think are probably eliminated at that point and just having a match and that's Cobb and, and Yujiro. Yeah. And and the rest of them I think are candidates to at least be spoiling each other, have a long shot to get in. Um, you know, mm. any you know, a lot of different I think I think everyone all the other eight I think are coming into that last night with something to to fight for. So you think it's going to be a very parody-based block? Listen, I I don't doubt that this is one of these blocks that's going to have a six-way tie at ten, and one guy beat all five of the other guys, right? Like <laughs> like like twenty thirteen. Oh, so I haven't even thought of that scenario because I'm not good at math. But now you're throwing it out there. I'm like, yeah, that did happen. Like because this is such a, happen. right. It's such a block that you look at and you're like, okay, all not nobody's going to tank, right? None of these guys are going to tank. I mean, Yujiro, right? But even Cobb, you got to figure it's going to get six, maybe eight, right? Yeah, I would say six minimum. Six minimum, right. So you've got a chance that everyone else just beats each other up, and you've got to pay attention to 
who beat the other four or five guys that are tied at the top. And like, they just happen to get those wins and not just wins. Right. So I think who is more or who is equally important in this block to how many. I think that's an interesting way to, to book it. I don't quite see it that way. I think that there's like three or four people that will be alive on the final night with other people playing spoilers, more traditional style, but I mean, that's exciting to hear that. I mean, that would be very interesting if it goes that way. And I'm not a, I'm not opposed to it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can throw any match out the window. on the, Except maybe like the Udro match at final night. But uh, like you mentioned, those matches are definitely all could be at play. But I do kind of feel that the Shingo-Suzuki match is leading. It's more of a story for a never title rematch than it is that Shingo is going to get to win the A block um, and you know get to the finals. I, I like the story that I like the idea that Shingo was alive on the final night and Suzuki beat him again. And, you know, now he's taking his title and now he's taking his, uh, you know, big main event opportunity. And then they just keep feuding via multi-man matches until January comes. I would love that to happen. Yeah, that would be great. Shingo's got the same uh, same batch of first-time matchups as Jeff Cobb. So Ibushi, Okada, and Takahashi, and Yujiro. So um, I think the Ibushi-Shingo match is, is a dream match for sure. Um, I'm curious to see what a Okada-Shingo match looks like because I think they both pace their matches so differently. Yeah. Um. So that one I think is is equally interesting to the the Ibushi match, and then obviously you've got um, uh, the Osprey rematch and and Ishi for that matter. I mean, they, those guys are gonna beat the hell out of each other. Yeah, I think the the Okada match is the one that I got circled that I'm really looking forward to. Like you mentioned, yeah, that, that different style, different pacing. Uh, I think we can see something really great there. They all sound great, but yeah, for me, it's just Okada. We've never seen it before. Uh, you know you're talking about two of the best of all time so yeah i can't wait i'm curious i know we're not necessarily talking about okada right now but this this is coming up just because of the style if okada is going to stay committed to this submission style Ooh. <laughs> i mean that may change i mean that's going to change how we see his matches too so and I, I think we'll know that early because if he's committed to that with ibushi um you got to figure he, it's going to be a thread through the tournament but um Maybe that he'll would, bring that, maybe that he'll would bring be, red ink back. <laughs> see, I mean, it's better than the Cobra Clutch. Yeah. Um. But I, so I, that's the thing I'm going to be watching for in the first couple of Okada matches, and then that'll change my excitement for a match with someone like Shingo. Oh God! What if this dude comes out here and wrestles like he did during the freaking uh, balloon, <laughs> the New Japan era. Cup? I'm <laughs> like, I'm not going to be happy if we get New Japan Cup Okada. I mean, he hasn't hit a rainmaker since March, right? <gasps> it, it, but maybe that's the story. Like, maybe like that Abushi right. match. He's going for the money clip, and it's like, because he he's beaten. He beat, he beat Abushi the dome. He's like, I don't can beat this guy. Let me try and beat him with the money clip, and then it fails. And I was like, you know what? I I need to be hitting rainmakers the rest of this tournament. I, I gotta twist this guy out and smack him. Yeah. yeah, dude. How how shocking would it be if Okada just like was eating pinfalls this? this uh g1 <laughs> this is well this is just his year to lose right i mean like that that's a thing they that has happened before too what was it 2018 with naito he just lost everything and everyone's just waiting for him to start winning and getting getting some wins back and he just didn't so i don't know maybe i mean you got plenty of time with okada 
he's the youngest. I mean, he's the youngest ace the company's ever had. So you gotta oh, believe he he can he can die for a year and come <laughs> back just fine. Dude, so. they they've done that. Like I know it's a long time ago, but like they they did it with Hashimoto at one point. They've done it with Muto. They've done it with Chono. Like they could be like this is his year to lose, and like he just shockingly takes losses. And like the redemption isn't oh he's zany. He needs to get his groove back. They're like no, he's actually taking losses. He needs to like. He's got to get it together. <laughs> He's got to get back up. with Gato. They got to break up the Bullet Club. <laughs> <laughs> Jay White's the face again. <laughs> it's a full. It's a full turn from everyone. Everyone involved. No, I don't know. Um, that's that's an interesting wrinkle because obviously he's trying something new, but it's not working. Um, so maybe I mean maybe on that final night he's smacking Will Osprey with a rainmaker and and the crowd pops. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Uh, so let's move on to the next uh, entrant here. The King, Minoru Suzuki, our current never open weight champion. Uh, ninth entry, his first tournament in two years. Well, I'm really glad to see Suzuki back. Um, one of my favorite wrestlers. And, um, you know, people, it's funny, last year people were talking about Suzuki winding down and everything of that nature. But the reality is, he had a good year last year. He just wasn't in the G1 and when you're not in the G1 it kind of eliminates any prospects of you being a realistic shot or candidate of you know wrestler of the year or anything of that nature obviously this year things have been much different with the fact that you know um Suzuki was in that new Japan Cup he's had this resurgence he just had that match with Shingo he's like a realistic given the pandemic and everything is a realistic wrestler of the year candidate right now, given the block and everyone he has to work with, I don't see why he couldn't be an actual candidate at the end of this tournament. Um, he's not going to win it just because like he's already had so many shots at the title. I don't think they're going to sell at the Tokyo Dome with him. Um, I wouldn't be unhappy <laughs> Like, I really would be, like, stoked, like, if they finally decided to go with him. But I just – that doesn't seem like what they're doing at all. But they will set up some sort of never title situations. I think, like, we, we mentioned the Shingo's match is the one to look out for. But um, I'm excited. I mean, I'm really excited for him in this block. There's a lot of great prospects, and uh, it's going to be pretty awesome. So Suzuki's one of only four wrestlers in this block with a – uh, winning percentage against the block competitors over 500. So that's, uh, I think, I actually think that probably balances down over the course of the, of, of this particular G1, because I think he's, I think Suzuki's a guy who can lose and not really lose anything from it. Um, you know, the risk is that you set up a bunch of never title matches that, um, hopefully they, they're committed to. Um, but, I think that I think Suzuki's a guy that's gonna he's gonna come out and he's going to um, he's gonna give you exactly what he always gives you, which is great matches with um, some great story devices. And he, but he can he can lose and laugh it off and and you know cackle his way to the back and be and be fine. So he's a guy that I think you could see end up with four points. Six points. I mean, he could he could eat a lot of losses. That wouldn't surprise me. And uh, how many first time matches does he have in this tournament? Uh, none. Oh, sorry, Osprey. Gotcha. Osprey's the one. 
But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to Suzuki in the G1 again. Um, you know, I don't think he has great chances of, of winning it. Like you mentioned, Chris, I think kind of his role is going to be kind of set up some never title matches, and he's a guy that you can you can easily beat. I, I definitely think he'll he'll finish maybe towards the top of the block because uh, he is a champion and he's kind of had this great year. But, yeah, I don't think he's going to be one of these guys that ends up getting to the A block final. Um, but yeah, I expect him to have a, a lot of great matches. He's had a great year. Um, definitely a match uh, wrestler of the year uh, contender right now of his work. Um, New Japan Cup and the Nagata feud and then the Shingo feud. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do here. Don't forget the Moxley match. Uh, the Moxley that's, that's match. Right, yeah, the Moxley that's match. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and you know, I, I would disagree with you, uh, Jeremy. I don't think he's. I kind of agree with Chris. I think he's going to eat a lot of losses and finish at the bottom. But that's because I don't think it's going to be a super parody-based tournament. I think if you see it as being one where lots of people are alive at the end, then quite possibly he might be one of those guys. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's the never title. So, I mean, it's not like, sure, the champions need to be booked strong, but it's the never title. <laughs> so, at, you know, as much as much goodwill as it's earned this past year, it's still not going to be, like, protected. And... Everything Chris said too is like he is a guy who doesn't lose anything when he does lose ever, like at this point in his career. So it's kind of crazy. So I think uh, he's going to be fine there. Um, as far as for me, the most anticipated match for me, um, it's Ishii. <laughs> <laughs> like there's so many awesome matches, and there's the first time match with Will Ospreay, but like there's a style that Suzuki wrestles. And no one else in the block, including Shingo, wrestles that style with him as well as Ishii. When those guys are together, it is always magic. And um, it's a match I've wanted to see again for, you know, since like two years ago, since 2018. So I can't wait. Yeah. And, um, for me, like I mentioned earlier, the, the Okada match, him and Okada, something I'm really looking forward to. Um, but just from an intrigue standpoint, I'm also looking forward to seeing what him versus Tai Chi is going to look like. And I know there was the heated angle on one of the New Japan Road shows um, that happened this weekend, where um, they were gra- you know grabbing each other by the throat and kind of ja- jaw jacking each other. So I'm kind of curious to see how that matchup goes. Yeah, I'm I'm most looking forward to Okada. I loved their match at Royal Quest. I thought it was great. And, um, I mean, those guys have such great history, too. So, another candidate for a draw, as I think I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Hot take. I don't love their series. Mm. <laughs> I, In fact, I thought their Royal Quest match was the best match they've ever had, uh, followed by the previous G1 match where they had the draw. Yeah. But, um, like, the they had a really heralded new beginning match, you know, 2015 or 2016 something like that i didn't love that match i didn't love uh some of the other stuff that they've done in the past or i didn't love that that outside in the rain match either the 30 minute draw i didn't love that one either so i mean like i'm not as it's just kind of cool right like it it, it is (laughs) it's it's really cool but like i don't think okada's great at wrestling suzuki style and he ends up just sitting in leg locks for a really long time I mean, they've had one, two, three, four, five of their eight matches have gone over 30 minutes or 30 minutes or over. So that's, um, you got to figure that may come into play here. Yeah. That, man, 
This guy with the stats. <laughs> is that a? Let me look. I'm trying to. I'm. I wonder if that's a main event. I don't think it is even. So, yeah. but that actually probably makes it a, a better candidate for a draw. Yeah, I had a feeling that was like might have been a semi-main. On a night. Was Oka- was Okada and Sonata last year? I know it wasn't a draw, but was that a main event? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Okada so Suzuki is third from the top. So that might not be as good of a draw candidate as you tout it to be, although I know historically it might be. But, dude, you just never know. Like, these guys might just go 30 minutes on the undercard. They might just do it. Well, that's what I mean. I actually think it being mid-card um, makes it more of a candidate for a draw with those two guys. Right, because I think people are expect the draws in the main events or maybe even the semi-mains, and so I don't think people are going to looking for that in the middle of the card. I'm booking them to go double count out, personally. <laughs> <laughs> 80 style. <laughs> it's, I was going to say, it's been a while since we saw a double anything. <laughs> All right. So, double knockout, let's do it. <laughs> um, let's move on to uh, Tai Chi, Suzuki's uh, stablemate here. So Taichi's coming into this tournament as one half of the IWGP Tag Team Champions with uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and the Dangerous Techers. This is uh, Taichi's second entry, second consecutive. Yeah, so I mean, it's really funny how like last year, Taichi, and actually the previous year, um, people were clamoring for Taichi to be in it, and he got a, he got kind of bumped, and people were like, you know, a super upset about it, and you know, most of the like diehard New Japan fans were like, he doesn't deserve to be in. <laughs> and, you know, last year people were saying the same thing. They thought it was a joke. And, um, you know, two years later we're here and it's like, it would be unfathomable that Taichi wasn't in the G1. You know, that's kind of the goodwill that they've built with him, you know, and he's still someone that is inconsistent as hell, but it's not because he's inconsistent due to like, the fact that he can't go and he can't put it together, it's more like a choice. <laughs> when, when, he, when he wants to turn it on, he can. And when he doesn't want to, he just doesn't do it. And you just don't know which one it's going to be. But when the G, last year, I was impressed with his G1. In fact, I liked his G1 run better than Jeff Cobb's G1, which would surprise a lot of people. So um, I think that the thing with him and Minoru Suzuki, um, you know, we saw where they were grabbing each other's throats I think that's not going to lead to anything long-term, but it's always kind of interesting when you see the Suzuki Goon infighting. We've seen it in World Tag Leagues and things like that in the past, so I think that's going to be very interesting. Um, but, you know, Taichi's here to eat pins. <laughs> like, unfortunately, he's like in one of the toughest blocks in the history of the G1 ever, and uh, he's going to play spoiler. He's going to have good matches. He's going to you know, get some upset wins, but he's going to eat a lot of pinfalls. And I see him getting like, I don't know, six points max. I think he's going to set up some, uh, something with the tags, the tag titles. And it's probably going to be another run with Ibushi and Tanahashi if we're looking at those last couple matches. So, um, but yeah, I think the, the intrigue with Taichi is the Suzuki match. Um, and maybe they're planting the seed for what they want to do um, with that faction going forward. 
Yeah. There's a there's a subsect of fans that are like praying that that's the case. And me and Jeremy like make fun of those fans all the time on here because we always think that they're reading too much into things. Um so if you're correct, I think there's a lot of people that would just like be ecstatic, you know. <laughs> I just think I think they're going to stoke the flame with it. I don't know. I don't know that I believe that that's what they're going to go with. Um but I mean Tai Chi's Tai Chi's probably actually the you know, he's one of the guys in this tournament that I'm the least excited to see, though I expected him in the tournament. I mean, no first time matchups. Um, they've pretty much burned everything with him uh, to some extent. So he's he's, you know, he's kind of established himself with the feud with Okada at the beginning of the year. But I, I wouldn't say that that really elevated him. And now he's just he's living in the tag world, which is is a good spot for him because he is technically a singles wrestler. And I think it does elevate the tag um, titles, but I don't think he's going to have a great G one here. Yeah. And one, one thing that's been worrying me about his G one. So he's been cutting promos, you know, new Japan road talking about before. It was he not, be in it. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to be in G one. G one's a lot of work. Uh, you know, it's so exhausting. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm a tag team guy now. And, so I, I don't I don't know if he's gonna you know pull like a God or a Tamatonga and just come out here and just kind of you know just lob it up and you know not have a great tournament and do a bunch of cheating a bunch of iron claws um, him be with the mic stand kind of thing because he doesn't want to compete in the G one. I don't want to confuse anybody here. Um, there's people who are gonna hear these statements and they're gonna think we're Tai Chi haters on the show. We're not. We're we're not Tai Chi praisers either, but we're pretty fair and balanced when it comes to the guy. And over the past few years, when a lot of people have been down on him, we have given him his props when it's due. That being said, even when you're getting top-notch Tai Chi at his top level, I mean, you know, Kawada, you know, cosplay Tai Chi, which is his best version, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you're still getting him taken off the pants. You're still getting him with the shenanigans. Like, it's just part of the deal, and that's part of the drawback. So it's like, even at his best, there's still going to be some things that are goofy that you're just not – unless you love that stuff. I mean my girlfriend, she he's one of her favorite people. Um, she was trying to get me to buy her a shirt of his and then couldn't understand why there were no good shirts for him. And I was like, it's because no one likes him. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> like that's kind of the deal. you know. I, 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 I'm optimistic at this point and I'm hoping he has good matches, but – Jeremy, you could be right. He could come out here and stink it up, and it would be – and here's the worst part. If he does, it'll be by design, and it will be by choice. It, there won't be this question like with Tamatonga where we're like, is he good? Is he not good? We're, we're not really sure. Like We're trying to figure it out. No, we already know he's good. We see him have tons of great matches along with tons of bad matches, and we've seen him have some of those really good matches with the guys in this tournament, Will Ospreay, Jeff Cobb. Kota Ibushi, <laughs> you know, uh, Ishii, who I think is his best singles opponent ever, probably. Um, so there's no excuse for him to have a bad tournament, but he might he might be one of the night off guys. Yeah, I'm hoping he's not. I'm hoping we do get good Tai Chi. Like you mentioned, uh, Ishii, he's had some great m- matches with Ishii in the feud there for, over Never Title. And so that's the match I got circled. I think him and Ishii is going to, you know, it's not with shenanigans. It's going to pull out a good match out of him. I am not looking forward to a single Tai Chi match. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe Suzuki just because, but that's early in the tournament too. So I think uh, from there, you know, 
he's he'll be there. But maybe <laughs> maybe he'll, he could surprise me. I'm I'm open minded, um, but I'm not all that hopeful. All right, well let's, let's uh, move on to the second to last guy here in this A block, the Switchblade Jay White. This is his third entry, third consecutive. Uh, one of the foreigners we forgot to mention. You know, we got these foreigners that came in. We didn't know the stats of these guys, so. Obviously, New Japan was able to get in Jeff Cobb and Will Ospreay, um, Jay White. Um, and so, yeah, Jay's one of the guys that was able to get into the country for this tournament. So we've got the Switchblade Black. You know, he was, he's been on NJPW Strong, um, had a feud there with um, Flip Gordon, ended up beating Flip Gordon there. And so now he's kind of coming back to Japan now. And first time we see I'm him call- in Japan since the pandemic. I'm calling uh, New Japan Strong Bizarro World New Japan. <laughs> um you know a lot of people don't want to hear this but jay white has a very strong possibility of winning this thing uh if not the block the whole tournament um he's a former champion um he was the finals last year he was in the finals last year there is a history it's not you know, gospel, but there is a tendency in years past where finalists will go on to win the tournament the following year, not just in the G1, but in other tournaments as well. Um, are you are you going to say something, Chris? I was just going to say that that there's a there's probably a perception that that's common, um, but it's not. Um, actually, the only time it's happened in the last 15 years is, is Ibushi to go to the final and then win the next one. I know you then you then said a different tournament, which that totally aligns, right? So you've got other opportunities for these guys. But in if we're just talking G1 to G1, um, actually Ibushi win, uh, winning after losing the final was, was really unique. Okay, yeah, absolutely. It You know, I don't know. It feels like, and I haven't done this, the work you've done, it feels like that's like a common cur- or tendency, but it might not be at all. But like, I know... Um, looking at Super Juniors, that they've done that quite a bit in the past. So maybe that's why I'm feeling that way. I don't know. But um, even still, like, just given the fact that Jay White is one of the few, like, I don't know, big four guys that you have here that has never won, and then you kind of look at the block and how it's all kind of, like, playing out on the final night, it does feel like we've played that game in the past where Jay White is – kind of alive but gets knocked out on the final night you know we we did that two years ago and it would seem weird for them to do it again i think that there's a high likelihood that he sneaks in to the to the a block based off of a draw or based off of whatever happens between osprey and um okada on the final night and there are a lot of people who are anticipating this big thing between him and evil i'm not so convinced of that myself but um I'm not even really saying I want Jay White to win because I've been less than impressed with I, – I, I was in the camp where I didn't like his performances at Wrestle Kingdom this year like at all. I thought that they were a huge step back from what he's capable of. But then again, last year, him, him against Ibushi was my match of the year. I thought it was the best New Japan match all year long, including better than Osprey and, um, you know, uh, Shingo. So, like, that's how – highly regarded i had that match so i don't i don't know what we're looking at here um but he always does really ever since he's been came back he's done super well in these tournaments so even if he doesn't win it i can't imagine him not winning 
five or six of the matches. I watched the uh, G1 final from last year, the Bushi match, uh, yesterday, last night, actually. And I severely underrated that match when it happened. And I don't know if I was just tired or, uh, I don't know, tired of the Jay White shtick at the time. (laughs) But, like, watching it in a vacuum, my God, that match rocks. That match is so good. Um, So... On your on the piece of losing the final and and winning a G one, so there's only five guys that have ever lost a final and then not not subsequently won a G one either before or after mm. they lost the final. So and and it's a different class of guy than Jay White, right? So we're talking Rick Rude, Yoshihiro Takayama, Carl Anderson, Carl Anderson, and Power Warrior. So I guess you know Sasaki actually won one later on. So yeah, I was gonna say he did right. So you know honestly. That's that says something that he's he's gonna win a G one at some point. At some point, right? It doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna be this one, but I, I think he's he's at that level. Um, in regards to Jay White this year, you know what I'm most curious about is: are we gonna continue to see Jay White cleaning up his act, um, or maybe not even cleaning up his act, but is he gonna be the Bullet Club guy that wins clean? Um, because I I think I think there's a chance that we're going to see kind of a pivot towards the middle for Jay White this year, where he, he's going to win without much help. And maybe that's going to be part of the Bullet Club story going forward. But I think Evil's going to continue doing what Evil's been doing. And Yujiro's going to be Yujiro and do a bunch of wacky stuff. And then Kenta, probably somewhere in between, right? So, But I think Jay White's got a chance to be a guy who can kind of be a Bullet Club member maybe lose maybe win at least without interference maybe maybe there's some kind of debauchery but not necessarily other people and i think that that's what really pulls people out of those matches so i'm excited to see if we get jay white um just a little bit cleaned up because i think he is his promo at the end is strong and um some of the other kind of indicators that we've seen from his like his matches with or his match with flip gordon even they would suggest to me that he's he is pivoting at least a little bit towards the middle. Yeah, and I think too, if Jay ends up winning the A block and even winning the whole thing, I think that adds more fuel to the fire of who's the real leader in Bullet Club thing. Because Jay mm. can kind of run in, come back. It's like, all right, like I just I just won the G one, and like you you lost your block, evil. You you lost the titles. Like it's time for you to move aside. Like I'm back in Japan, on the man now. And so that could end up being a thing that really kind of continues to cause this riff in Bullet Club with Jay just coming swooping in and, and winning the G1. Um, one, one final thing here. Um, we've made the case for why he probably will win, and it's exactly one thing. I felt like I was forgetting something, and it was, it's exactly what you touched on, Chris. It's like he's going to win a G1 at some point, just given the caliber of where he's at in the company. It's just, is it now or is it going to be later? But the the case against it, is the fact that we've seen him and Naito several times within a very short period of time. And in my personal opinion, they were never really that good. In fact, I think the best match they had was in the G1 last year, which I thought was underwhelming. And then they consistently got worse. I I hated the match at Wrestle Kingdom. (laughs) Um, So I don't know that like they could do well on January 4th with those two. However, because it's such a wacky year, 
maybe this is the right year to do it because we don't know what we're getting January 4th. I will say this. You either, statistically, you either lose one G1 final or you lose three. So no no one on on the record has two G1 finals losses. Mm. Hmm. So I he Jay's a guy that I think will win a G1 at some point but I think he I don't think he's lost his last final either. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing with him. Um I'm I'm looking forward to uh the Will Ospreay match, you know, they had the the Ring of Honor match where Jay was still a young lion. That was really great. So um, it'll be interesting to see these guys again. Obviously. The match they had last year was just awesome, and it's kind of forgotten. It's like yeah. one of the that anniversary show match was so good. Yeah, um, and so I think these guys yeah, have great you know chemistry. They're kind of career rivals in a way, and so I think kind of rekindling that feud there would be a great, especially now with you know Osprey full heavyweight. Let's see what he could do against Jay. So yeah, we no. got the. Oh, no, no first-time matchups for Jay, actually. I just wanted to toss that in there. Oh, sorry, Ujuro. I, I, I was going to say, I don't think I always, I always look over his uh, his column here because <laughs> I just don't want to see it. Yeah, um, just Ujuro. And you know that's going to be a mess, but that's all I had on that. So our final uh, A-block competitor, Ujiro Takahashi. Um, I mean, I guess I'll just start. Ujiro... Um, <sighs> This is his seventh time in the tournament and his first in five years. And that's for good reason because he slotted as a lower mid card guy. Like, I don't think he's held a title since he was like a never champion years and years and years ago. And that was short term. Um, Like what's so special about hero bread, soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas. These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Ujiro is... Now, here's one thing I will say, and this is something I saw on Reddit. In the last 15 years, the only person that has ever lost all of their block matches was Hanma, and that was part of a major storyline that actually got him over. So, unless they're, like, breaking tradition, Ujiro is going to beat somebody um, and probably play a big spoiler to somebody or something of that nature uh, if you're going to maximize his impact by giving him a win. But uh, I don't anticipate the matches to be good. He'll probably have a banger. We've talked, you know, we've been talking about it all year that he is due his one annual banger and we didn't get it yet. And we thought we might get it with Okada. It never happened. So I'm sure, I don't know. Him and Osprey, him and Ishii, maybe him and, I don't know, Abushi. They'll have some great match, but, um, you know, people are not excited. I'm not excited. Yujiro's the night off guy. That's the bottom line here, and he's here to take pinfalls. Uh, and t- to your point, Josh, about, you know, him potentially beating someone, we did have a couple questions about that. Um, so we had a question from Kenny Omega Fan 18. Considering Yujiro Takahashi hasn't been in G1 class for a few years, how well do you think he's going to do? Who's Takahashi going to beat in this block? Also, same question from BJ Baker on Twitter. Who is Ujiro going to beat? I think it's going to be a surprise, but I don't think it's going to be a huge surprise. So I think you're looking at someone like Ichi, um, or be Okada, or Suzuki, or yeah, or he finally gets a win over Okada, right? I mean, like that's that's the program, but um, I think he'll do it by nefarious means regardless. But I, I do, I, you know, I would set the over under for Yudro at like three. Um, Cause 
you know, there's a chance that he, you know, goes with some shenanigans, right? So, like, I, I don't know. I mean, he, he's going to win something surprising, though, and it's going to be one of those, like, jaw droppers. And yeah, I don't when think you, when you say away. three, do you mean three points or three wins? Points. So you think he's going to have, like, one win and then one, like – draw or something well no so it's an over under so like you can uh, you can gotcha. pick one or the other probably but um you know i think he'd be a candidate for the first double count out since 2009 if you can get someone <laughs> to chase him i think that- I, i've pro- i got at like four i'm gonna just guess i don't know yeah yeah i think that the upset could also potentially even be jay white where it's one of this bull club things where it's like you know haha we're kind of playing around like go ahead and lay down for me and then you drill like inside cradles him real quick and pins him and then gets kicked out of bullet club yeah then you like i'm the leader of bullet club i, I beat <laughs> i beat jay white <laughs> that, that man ha- he has tenure he uh he, he helped win the title for aj and he can never be kicked out due to that that's true <laughs> he also was the um he was the never open weight champion during the 2014 g1 <laughs> Yeah. When he was a real wrestler, <laughs> you know what? He used to be awesome. Like yeah. there was a oh, time no, he was where great. He, he was great. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm rewatching the 2013 G1 with Sean Radican at PW Torch, and like some of the Udro matches are really good, bro. When when I talk about how like he wrestled similar to Kurt Angle and he had like that amateur pedigree, people don't believe me. I'm like, he used to be really good. Yeah, it's a real thing. <laughs> like there are wrestling um wrestling observer newsletters where you know dave Meltzer's talking about how quote unquote new japan knows that yujiro and okada are the future and <laughs> like it's a real quote like it's out there and he was i mean as with a lot of things 50 percent right <laughs> yeah the, you know you decided you know what I, i'm good just being a uh low card bullet club guy and just kind of mailed it in We'll see if Peter's back. Chris is here slandering, low-key slandering Dave, Wal- Dave Meltzer on our watch. Listen, I <laughs> big, big fan of Dave. Okay, love Dave. Don't 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 slander my my adoration of of Dave or uh, or any of the other quote unquote dirt sheets. I love them all. <laughs> um, so, I had a question here from our user PSAN ninety one. What is your most anticipated match from the A block? Mine is Shingo versus Okada. I'll be lucky enough to attend the show live, and I have arena seats. I'll still be at the opening night this Saturday, and that car looks great on paper. Can't wait for G1 to start this weekend. Oh, man. This one's living the dream. I was going to go to Japan for this G1, um, but obviously uh, that got derailed. So um, good on you. My most anticipated match of the block is I- I'm still going to go with Ibushi Okada. I just think I think they're going to deliver, and I think they're going to set the tone for the tournament. Um, I, yeah, I've got to agree with him. I've just got to go with the Okada against uh, Shingo, but it's, that's just pure anticipation. It doesn't mean it's going to be the best. So, um, funny thing, and we don't even have to go back. I think we should just let this mistake continue. We did not give our most anticipated matches for Taichi, Jay White, or Yujiro Takahashi because we just don't care. Uh, Taichi, I said Ishii, and Jay White, I said Osprey. Okay, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> I said I don't I, care. I, I, I addressed that with Tai Chi, and I'll let you go back on the tape as long as Jeremy is <laughs> actually recording. Yeah, yes, we are We are recording. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, most anticipated match of the overall A block. Um, 
Yeah, I think I I, I got to go Okada Ibushi also, just because that that is the first main event. That's what we saw January fourth. Like I think yeah, like you said, Chris, it's gonna set the the, uh, the tone and pace for the whole uh, tournament. Uh, so now let's uh, move on to the B block here, and I think I have a feeling we might get through this one a little bit faster than we did the A block, just due to um, this kind of different in talent level that we have here in the B block. There's stories here, Jeremy. There's stories. They're very nuanced. They're deep. There's there's going to be just some. Don't, you just don't get. It. You're just like a you're a notebook, you know, wrestling fan. I'm I'm here for the stories. There's going to be a lot of moments in. in there's going to be a lot of moments. <laughs> All right, so let's start here with Hiroshi Tanahashi, the ace, his 19th entry, 19th consecutive. He won the G1 in 2007, 2015, and 2018. So three-time winner, back in the tournament, 19th time. Do we think the ace can do it again? Can the ace ride again? I think this is his first B block since 07. Yes. Um, And he hasn't, you know... Basically, if he hasn't been in the B block since 07 and he won the B block in 07, then that tells me he's probably going to win this block. Yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works, right? <laughs> that's the stuff right there. <laughs> no, but in, in all seriousness, though, um, I'm not anticipating Tanahashi to win this block by any means. But I got to tell you, when I look at the field of competitors, it's not the most unplausible possibility um i'm i'm not gonna make that my bracket but if you do i wouldn't laugh at you by any means the one thing i think that is kind of holding it back is like he did just win it two years ago but tanahashi and naito has been a pretty protected match in fact if tanahashi was in the opposite block from naito i think it would be even more plausible the fact that they're facing off in the block kind of diminishes it a bit my gut instinct is Tanahashi is going to beat Naito in the block for a potential title shot because that's something that they teased earlier in the year. And, it, and you know, with everything that happened with the schedule just never happened. I think he'll be like the interim title challenger, possibly. Um, you know, all tag implications put aside. I think that he might be a good challenger to the IWGP title to put over Naito going into the Tokyo Dome. But I I don't think he's winning this. Does it change your thoughts? Because it, it did it changed mine. Because I was right on on par with you that Tanahashi and Naito is the main event of the of the first night of B Block. Like you think Naito's strong enough right now that he can eat a loss right after regaining the championship after a, a really weird summer. No, but does it matter? Because it's Naito, and they don't give a fuck about him. <laughs> well, I think the thing like, there, like, like it's it, it's like it's not like that's uncommon for them to do a weird, wacky booking decision that would probably hurt him long term. Like they think he's impenetrable for some reason. I mean, he's pretty close, but <laughs> I mean, it, I I had Tanahashi as my like, and when I saw the blocks, but didn't know the schedule, my first thought was like, okay, Tanahashi's beating Naito. He might be the only person that beats Naito. Um, but I, that was my thought. And then when the cards came out, when I saw that on night one, I was, I was surprised, but also like it, it, it aligns with what they're doing with a block too. They're, they're giving you something to, you know, wet the palate right off the bat. And, but that did kind of change my mind. Cause I just think Naito needs to, 
I mean, needs a couple wins to like be a credible champion this time. Yeah. The thing too, we have to, you know, remember on these opening nights, they typically do some kind of big major upset on the first night of the tournament. So, you know, everybody thinking, you know, Naito, yeah, just got his belts back. He needs this momentum. What better way than to kind of flip the script than to have Tanahashi, especially Tanahashi, who's been on a losing streak lately, on the losing end of things, come in and defeats Naito. And like Josh mentioned, they get that title match that they've been teasing. And then we know we have the Power Struggle show that will be happening in November. Um, so I'm sure they're going to want a big main event for that. Tanahashi Naito sounds great to me. Um, you can do that big matchup and then that kind of, you know, big match, big selling match, and then you can you know, push Tanahashi to the side and have him do something else at the Dome. Then Naito moves on to face the winner. Maybe they go super meta and they think, oh, it's too telegraphed that Tanahashi would beat him on the first night because it's always a, a surprise upset. So maybe we go the opposite way and have night, and then we, we come full circle and go back to what Chris is saying. Maybe that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the biggest upset to, to be had of these first couple nights, though. I mean, anything else is, is pretty plausible. What if what if there's no upsets the first two nights because that's the true upset and that's the upset yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's it um I mean I love I love the idea of Tanahashi winning um they Tanahashi Naito they they haven't had a a match since 2017 which was the block final um when they had a they had a series too um they had yeah, that that trilogy was incredible that yeah year. the match at dominion and it kind of got lost with the omega okada story all happening kind of at the same time but that g1 block final was awesome um so this is i mean i anticipate some callbacks um would love to see tanahashi try to get the um oh god what submission was he using at the time oh the uh, the cloverleaf cloverleaf yeah yeah, yeah. I'd love to see him try to get the cloverleaf on, right? Like, so those are the details I'll be looking for in that match. But, um, you know, Tanahashi, he's competed in the most G1 matches. He's uh, 141 coming into this, you know, 19 straight G1s now. Um, you gotta, you gotta wonder where they're, where they're headed with his story. Like, is this another, you know, classic Tanahashi redemption arc? Like they've done this before, but like, you can go back to that well as many times as you want with Tanahashi and it's going to be fine. Um, so I think, but I think one big win too is also an option for him. One big win against Naito. And then I wouldn't say take the rest of the tournament off, but then you can go back to his struggles. Yeah, this turn, this B block is very interesting. It just, I think it really depends on how you see it all shaking out, how you end up booking someone like Tanahashi, but um, all plausible possibilities here. Um, most anticipated match for Tanahashi? Uh, for me, I'm, I'm going to say the, the Naito match because I think that just kind of is going to determine a lot of ways this block is going to shake out. It's going to determine, you know, a future title match down the road. Um, and like we mentioned, these guys have not wrestled in several years, and so that's that's the one I got circled. I will. I'll, I'm going to agree with that, but I'm also going to throw out the the Sonata match um, because that is it's slotted in a main event. It's later in the tournament, um, and I think that this is another. This is a block that's pretty wide open, so you don't really. I don't really know where it's headed, but um, seeing that match slotted. Um, as the main event of the last card that we know the the match order of, it, it's telling me at least something. Something's going on with that match. I agree with both of your points. Um, I think those are both 
very anticipated matches for him. But I'm going to throw one out there that's a little bit of a sleeper. Juice Robinson. Um, the last time we saw a really big match between them was the New Japan Cup like two years ago. And they've had other singles matches prior to that. And they've all been really great. But that, that New Japan Cup match was like kind of unheralded, but it was so, so good. And um, I'm hoping Juice has a really good tournament this year. But uh, I think him, like when I just look at on paper, like who do I think he's going to have the quote unquote best match with? I don't see why it couldn't be with Juice. I think Juice is like one of the most um, underrated G1 competitors of the last three or four years. And I think that he could actually give Tanahashi maybe his best match in 2020 out of this whole block. Well, and that's the next guy we got to talk about. We'll start talking about him. The flamboyant Juice Robinson, his uh, fourth tournament, fourth consecutive. Curious what Juice is going to look like. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Because, like, you got, I mean, he has literally not been seen except in maybe a picture on Instagram with Tony Storm like for a very long time that that photo of Tony Storm he looked ripped he looked jacked vascular. he looked vascular <laughs> he's huge look at him um i can't wait to see juice um i'm anticipating what i always anticipate from juice every year um him to come out here have key performances and not do so hot on the points, just like he does every year. <laughs> yeah, I think he's, yeah, he's going to be one of those guys. Yeah, he's going to have some you know, very good, maybe in some great matches, but I don't expect him to end up finishing in the block very high. What, what was the series that, um, that post-wrestling did on the G1 finals last year? The, uh, Cruel Summer? Yeah. They did Cruel Summer, and I was listening to it, and there was like all these like times in the past under different bookers where like, people were given shots to like kind of run, you know, with G1 finals. And like, they, they kind of got me swept up listening to that. So like, there was like a point last year where I was like, is juice going to end up in the final? He might do it. He might do it. And I like got excited. And then like, I even said it on the air and then like he got eliminated a couple days out. <laughs> I was so pumped. Um, so I don't have high hopes for that. Um, the other interesting thing, I mean, what title implications do we have here aside from Tetsuya Naito? Um, we got two-thirds of the Never Six Man champs, Goto and Yoshihashi, in this block. and That don't count. <laughs> we have one half of the tag champs, Zack Sabre Jr. We have the number one contender for the U.S. title, Kenta. He has the, the red briefcase. So basically, unless... And you've got a Little League trophy. Oh, yeah, KOPW, <laughs> Toriyano, yeah. <laughs> Um, this block is weird, man. Not only is it like, you know, it's the B block, like in, in all, it's just the B block. I'm just going to say that. Uh, it's weird. Um, I was going to say like, maybe there's opportunities for juice to like get other title shots, but it doesn't even feel like that. I don't know. I I don't know what, what this block holds for juice. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. (laughs) I I will say, I don't know. I, I will say though, even though typically he doesn't always perform, as far as points-wise, towards the top of the block, this is, I think, a weaker block than he's usually in. And I, there are a lot of guys I could see him winning here, and I could see him potentially having his best scoring G1 this year. They've put him in some killer blocks in the past couple of years. Like I think he's the last two years he's been in the B block, which in the past has been a killer block. you know, um, And he, that's not the case here. And so I could see him doing pretty well. I mean... 
I don't see why he can't be Goto or Yano or Yoshihashi or Zack Sabre or Kenta. Like, you know, those are guys he could get wins over. I mean, he's two and two all time against Goto. So, like, that's a win he could get one and one with Sonata. Um, so those are those are wins he could he could definitely get. He could certainly pull a win over Tanahashi. Um, Zack Sabre Jr., maybe. Yeah, I mean, right? if, if you want, remember, if you can get remember Finley. Remember fucked him up? <laughs> uh, if you can get Finley into the, the country, then you have Juice Pin Saber, and you can do Finley, Fin Juice you, you, against you Dangerous Tickers. Tech, yeah. Dude, that's not what I want from Juice. Like, remember, they, they took us on this big, long thing about him, like, starting at the bottom and rising to the top, and then, like, he hit Cody, and, like, things have never been the same since he hit Cody. Like... That was like something that derailed him, and he's never really come back from that whole Cody ordeal, honestly. Yeah, Juice has been so back of mind that when I heard that he was probably going to make it in for the G1, I was surprised just to hear the name, honestly. And also, last I heard, he was he was hurt. So I'm curious what the output's going to be like with Juice. I'm, I'm, I hope that they've got something for him, but I, I think he's going to be one of those middle-of-the-pack guys. I think I think that's just where he's gonna live this year. I don't I don't see a ton from him, even though they had the big moment with um, the tag the tag championship and World Tag League. So and I, and I thought they had something good going. Well, one last thing I'll say: I think that there is a possibility that he's not a middle of the pack guy. Maybe this is his chance to to jump out. And the reason I say that is because two years ago they had the storyline with him having the broken hand and he was toughing it out, you know, and then. Last year, it was, he's crazy about Mox. If he just beats Mox, then the whole thing will be a, will have been worth it. And that didn't really play out that way. And, you know, now he's coming. We haven't seen him in forever, so we, there's no story going into it. Maybe they can build some stories throughout. But um, I don't see why the, the, the narrative, he is a guy that they're invested in, obviously. To what degree, I don't know. But why can't it be that this is just a standout G1 for him? I'm not saying like he goes all the way, but where he just like beats a lot of people and raises his stock. I think that's very plausible personally. Do you think that there's a chance that he beats Naito and, you know, Naito gets kind of the the standard, one of those standard title defenses and like you, you're pretty sure he's not going to lose, but it's, it's a guy like Juice. It's a guy that you weren't, you weren't expecting, but it puts him in a big moment. I mean, the reason I picked Tanahashi is just because it's been a, a held-off match and it's one that we know can draw whatever that means in 2020. Um, but that would be very exciting to do that, and that's something that would definitely elevate him because he's never had an IWGP title shot. So, um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, right. I mean, his last singles match was in in at the Tokyo Dome with with Moxley. So, and and before that, it was really. Um, he he ended up in the no DQ match with Archer, um, and before that, it was really the the G one of any consequence. So he hasn't been doing a ton of singles work, but this you know it, it's certainly something that could establish him. Yeah, I think a Naito Juice match would definitely be fresh and something new and something very interesting. The only thing that I'm that I kind of hesitant about that is just the fact that as of right now, Power Struggle is the only big show that we have between on a schedule of right now is between after G1 and between Tokyo Dome and so I still think Power Struggle they're going to do something like Naito and Tanahashi and there's not enough room in that unless they do something in December possibly but I don't think so they'll do something that big 
um, to where they're doing IWGB title match in December. Um, well, so- Power Struggle is November 7th. So you've got, you know, you've got a good amount of November left. You've got almost two months before you have to do the Dome. So I think you could squeeze another one in there. Um, I don't know that that's the plan. I don't know what the tour after Power Struggle will be either. So if right. we're doing World Tag League, obviously um, that's going to be 40 nights of um, inconsequential tag team <laughs> wrestling and two nights of consequential tag team wrestling. So um, I'm going to tell you right now, I think it's going to be a best of super juniors. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that's the case. That would that would be quite the treat. Yeah, that'd be one hell of a way to, to end the year. Listen, I'm here for this new schedule. This has been great for me. <laughs> I love I love the fall G one where you don't have to mess around all all fall. You know, waiting for these briefcases and and title defenses because you you kind of know how they're gonna go. So like we've eliminated the kind of the the dead zone of of the New Japan calendar by just by moving the G one. Um, but if you toss best of super juniors in say November or December, and that just builds towards their wrestle kingdom, um, title match, maybe you, you push it off to, to wrestle kingdom that, that works for me too. That's awesome. Well, the reason I mentioned that's just, you look at, um, Taichi Shimori, they could definitely have a makeshift, you know, challenger or even do some sort of multi-man match, but they don't have anything right now and we're stuck in G1. So what better way to cut? Plus it feels like they're building up something between Despi and Hiromu and how that's not really a wrestle kingdom esque match. Sounds like something that you could easily pay off on one of those best of super junior nights. Just feels like based on the fact that they're building some sort of singles feud between Despi and Hiromu hypothetically, you know, when they're, they're not prone to really do a lot of junior singles feuds without titles involved that might be a giveaway that they're doing a uh, super juniors in my opinion. Hey, they've all got the time off right now. They'll be fresh. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that's her back here to G one. So juice Robinson, who are you looking forward to seeing him face? Oh, um, for me, I've got to say, um, man, I don't, I will go to, um, and I just say go to because him and Goto have fantastic matches. They're, what did you say they were two and two? Yep. Yeah. And I mean, they got a lot of history with one another um, based around that. Never, I think also the IC title, but mainly the never title. Um, so for me, it's Goto. What about you, Chris? I've got the, yeah, I've got the Tanahashi match um, penciled in just cause I think that'll be pretty telling of which would like what we've got from juice right now. Um, but I, I love juice. I think, I think he's, um, I think there's actually quite a few good matchups for him in this in this block. So he ha- he hasn't fought Kenta since uh, NXT. So you know he's probably got a chip <laughs> on his shoulder there. I mean they had a they had a grueling five match series on the Largo Loop um, <laughs> as Hideo Itami and CJ Parker. But um, and I think one of them was on it was Kenta's first match on um, on NXT TV. But yeah, so I, I'm curious to see if that even comes into play like even if no one tells that story like if they know that right and they they want to put on the match that they've always kind of known they could have so he does they'll, have a first time matchup with yoshihashi too they'll tell the story through a via a backstage segment the night before their match um and very few people will see it <laughs> and we're the only ones that will get it <laughs> um 
I also have gone with Tanahashi here. I just feel like, you know, that's kind of a big matchup there. Um, that kind of that kind of, that kind of main event style and it's it gets to be something that can really just show what Juice is really made of. And um so yeah, looking forward to Tanahashi and Juice. Do we know what Juice is made of? <laughs> Juice fucks, he's awesome. Um, <laughs> so moving on next, Hiroki Goto, thirteenth entry, thirteen consecutive, one third of the never open with six man champions. He was the two thousand eight G one winner. Yeah. Um Funny thing about Goto is like if you would ask me last year, do what? What are the chances that Goto could be a block finalist, just a block finalist, not even a winner, but just a finalist of a G one ever again? I would have told you like probably like highly unlikely, maybe zero. But this year, looking at the field, I'm like, why not just throw Goto in there? <laughs> He's your utility guy. Like he could definitely do it. It would be fine if they ended up going that way, depending on which guy from the A block they wanted to go with. Um, if if I'm really realistically looking at the A block, this is just from a pure fan perspective, and I'm looking at who I would like to see them face off with. Goto's on the very short list of guys I would, from a fan perspective, even want to see in a G1 final. And I'm not even like a Goto guy like other people are. Like I'm not like this diehard, like he's so unappreciated. Like I think he, you know, he's had a long career and he's where he's at. But um Goto always does better than people kind of anticipate he will do in a G1. Um, I don't I don't know if he'll be alive at the end, but he's gonna do pretty well just because he's Goto and they usually take care of him. And that's about it. Um G1 is for Goto. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that delivers. He's, again, like you said, that's that's perfect way to put it. He's, he's your utility guy. He's the guy that you can tag in for pretty much any role, and he's going to be um, serviceable at, 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 at the worst, right? So um, no first-time matchups for Goto. He's faced everyone on the list here at least and, once. And he's beat them all. Um, he has quite literally beaten them all at least oh, once. I, I, yeah. Um, no, no. I was, overs. A, I was making a, a Bob Holly joke. I didn't even know if he <laughs> actually beat them all. He's only beaten Tanahashi once. He's lost to him ten times. So that's <laughs> that's the level of Goto. But yeah, everyone else he's beaten at least once. So, um, yeah. I there's I don't have a lot. To, I never have a lot to say about Goto. But I watch. I I enjoy every match. I'm sure of it. Yeah, I think with this field, he definitely has the potential to finish very high in the block. Especially like you mentioned, Chris, that he's already beaten, at least, at least has one win over every single guy in the block. Um, I think it's just, yeah, I could definitely see him even second, maybe even third um, in the block. Maybe even potentially alive somehow in the final night and then a loss in the final night kind of prevents him from going to the finals. He was alive in last year's final night. He was a long shot, but yeah. um, he kind of... He's always one of those guys that's like, I guess Goto could win. I mean, like he snuck into the final one year, right, with the draw. Right. Um, the what was it? it was Tanahashi Okada draw, right? So yeah. Um, who's to say th- with this block, maybe sneaking in again? So what do you think um, about matchups? Well, for me, it's the one I just mentioned earlier. It's him and Juice. Um, I. You know what? I'll change it. Um, I'll, I'll go with him and let's say Kenta. They had a pretty good Tokyo Dome match. 
I don't know how many matches they've had career-wise. I think that might have been the one and only. So maybe that will be... Yeah, it's the only one. You know, um, pretty exciting. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, honestly. Another match with Kenta. I liked the Tokyo Dome match enough, so um, let's let's run it back, see what they got. Yeah, I'm right in line with you guys. I also was a fan of the, the Never Title match at Wrestle Kingdom, and so yeah, I think that could end up being Goto's best matchup in this block. All right. So, Toru Yano. Yes, Toru Yano, the provisional KOPW 2020 champion, 15th entry, 14th consecutive G1. The lineal provisional <laughs> King of Pro Wrestling champion. <laughs> That's probably going to change here, right? <laughs> um, you know, I don't understand why toriano's matches in the g1 can't all be contested under king of pro wrestling rules i don't understand why if this was so important for them to have a press conference for it and have put him over um okada to have won the thing why any of these block matches has have to preclude the kopw stipulations they should all be kopw tournament matches well, how do we know they're not going to be there's still plenty of time for them to announce that well, they haven't Without. indicated. They haven't indicated <laughs> it yet. But uh, I would. Who's he facing the first night? Oh, you come at. It tough, doesn't matter. Tough questions. Wait, it doesn't block, matter. Block first night. Toriano Sonata. Okay, yeah, Sonata that could should... be. I mean, he was in the he was in the KOPW final. Yeah, what but a him story. And Sonata should be in a cage. <laughs> in a cage that no one can see. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, let's cut to the chase here. Toriano. He's going to knock someone out of the running, just like he does every year. He's probably going to get, what, two wins at max. He's going to be comedy relief. He's going to be the night off guy. And he's usually going to have some sort of running gag story that you either buy into or you don't. If you're me, you do. And I'm not even a Yano guy, but I like his G1 runs. I just do. I loved Yano and Moxley last year. I thought it was great. It had me cackling with joy. So, um, yeah, I mean, here's something. Did you, uh, could you believe it that Toriano has faced Hiroshi Tanahashi 20 times in singles matches? Really? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that like, I pulled that. I was like, that's not right. Like well, I, you know, I'm slicing that's not, the data. That's not that surprising. If you think it's about not, if you think about tenure. Exactly. Well, so it goes all the way the back record? to 2003 what? and the U30 open weight title. Um, they had a, a long series with that in 2004 and 2005. Um, they've got two draws for that matter. And Yano has won three matches. So um, he's lost to him 15 times. But I mean, what a fascinating little little thing. And Yano beat him in a G1. Uh, yeah. 2011. Yeah. Rolled that man up quick. <laughs> <laughs> and in the New Japan Cup in 2015. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, so I mean, one to watch, right? Tanahashi and and Yano, maybe maybe spoiling Tanahashi's last big run. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing with Yano. Like he can literally beat anybody with the low blow roll up, duct taping their feet together to get the count out win. Like there's so many ways that he can <laughs> just kind of get these banana peeled, you know, kind of wins. And so he's the guy you have to watch. Like who's he going to spoil? Who's he going to beat? Like you mentioned last year, he had that big win over John Moxley, who was like. You know, undefeated and kind of blazing a trail in the, in the block at the time. And so, yeah, Yano could literally be anyone, but he is going to be the comic relief. He is going to be the night off guy. 
Um, he's, you know, we're not going to, at the end of this tournament, not, we're not going to be talking about, you know, the great, you know, four-star plus Yano matches. But we'll, we'll be talking about the funny moments of, oh, remember when Yano tied this guy up or, you know, quickly, you know, rolled this guy up. So, Jeremy, you're so far off base, it's not even funny. How quickly you forget how every single year there's someone who jumps on Reddit or Twitter and tells us about how Yano has had the match of the year in the G1. The true ace. The true ace of the company. So, of course, he's going to have some sort of classic. He does every year. Duh. Mm. <laughs> well, I know, I know I'll, I'll be looking to see, you know, who the future KLPW challengers could be. Everybody who pins him. So, you know what? They probably are going to set up some sort of KLPW title match in this tournament, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, if we're looking at the last, uh, that last weekend. Uh, Yano's last match is Yoshihashi, so that would be uh, a candidate for a goofy singles something or other. Well, speaking of Yoshihashi, he's the next guy we have. No, here. I gotta tell you my my most anticipatory Yano match. Oh yeah, go go for it. So from a, I've got two. I'm gonna break the rules. Number one, just for pure match quality, Zack Saber Jr. Because their G1 match, uh, I don't know if it was last year or the year before. Like I remember just howling. And loving that match. I think that was when um, Toriano was on his fair play kick and he was trying to go clean. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that match between him and ZSJ. I th- actually thought it was one of the better Yano matches ever in a G1. But um, the one I'm most anticipated for, for what I hope happens, him versus Evil. Because I hate Evil and I think he's going to upset him. And I, I want to see him... <laughs> Take those two points, and all these people that have been on this evil kick all year long can just suck it. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a couple of little little Toriano facts that I should probably throw out there. So over the last four years, his average match length has been four minutes and 21 seconds, um, six minutes and six seconds in 2017. In 2018, it was six minutes and 40 seconds for what I believe to be a 10-year high. And then last year, he landed himself at 4 minutes and 55 seconds. So don't blink. You'll miss it. But um, you also you don't have to waste a ton of time with uh, the shenanigans. Right. It's going to be you know very short. I'm sure most of his matches are probably openers or somewhere in the, in the middle of the card kind of thing. Um, so for me, I think I'm looking forward to this the Sonata match. I feel like those two kind of have some kind of fun, goofy chemistry. And Sonata kind of likes to play around with him and kind of be a little bit goofy sometimes. And so... I feel like that'll, that'll be a match that's kind of a lot of like roll ups and kind of. Didn't you know, Sonata count him out, putting him in the paradise lock and leaving him outside? I think he did, yeah. I feel like that happened. Maybe I'm imagining it. I don't know. Because wasn't that one he, he, he also like tied Rocky up too? He tied up Rocky. And like both of them were like out there like <laughs> screaming or whatever. Oh, yeah. It was. Well, he's won. Sonata has beaten Toriano by count out twice. Um, in, in in both G1 2018 and 2017, so he skipped last year. Uh, I don't think they were in the same block, but oh man, so he's gonna get this. So that's the story. Yeah. Again. that's then, the story. And then that's you, awesome. Then you can set up a KOPW where Yana wants to vote no count out. Yes. Oh, what, yeah. Jeremy? Book it. Storytelling, baby. Call him another up. stipulation <laughs> that's not even a stipulation at all. No, no count out. <laughs> So uh, right. moving on to Yano's chaos mate here, Yoshihashi, fourth entry, first time in two years. He is one third of the never open weight six man tag team champions. Here's what I'll say. 
I don't love Yoshihashi, um, but I was pretty invested in his six-man title run. That being said, the one time of the year that I actually like Yoshihashi is the one or two times he really turns it on during the G1. He always turns it on once or twice during the G1, and they're always fantastic matches. Um, But other than that, there's nothing else to say. There's nothing else for me to say. Like, I have no analytics, like, no insight. Yoshihashi's here. He wasn't here last year. He's back. He's going to have one, two. Maybe we can hope for three really good performances, and he'll finish at the bottom, near it anyways. Yoshihashi is a wrestler who is booked in the G1 Climax 30. (laughs) He's a jag of the G1. As as my girlfriend likes to say, he's a mess. <laughs> when I when I showed her these blocks, she looked at the A block. She's like, "Wow!" And then she's like, "That B block, it's a mess." She's like, "She's like, look at all the messes they got." Yoshihashi, it's a mess. <laughs> yeah, there's not, there's not really much to say here. Like he he's a good utility guy. Like they're they're gonna be like there's gonna be some kind of sneaky good matches. Like maybe him and Goto might end up being like sneaky good or like. Maybe I'll give you. I'll give you one. Him and Kenta will be sneaky that's, good. That's what I was gonna say next. Yeah, him and Kenta. Yo, no, <laughs> I flew my ass to New York City, <laughs> and I sat through that Yoshihashi Kenta never open weight title match. I forgot they wrestled last year. <laughs> I don't even remember that. So, no, hard no. <laughs> oh my uh, god! I erased that from the record. It's gonna suck again. It it made me very upset. Not very upset. I had Wait, a great time. Loved that show. Ang- I had a great time. Ang- how angry will you be <laughs> if it actually is great and then you flew all the way there to see it be bad? <laughs> uh, I just couldn't believe I was sitting through. And they they worked a they worked a rest hold WWE match. Yikes! Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, think- I had a great time at that show. Don't get me wrong. I loved it, but. Um, that was the title match when it started. Got. Oh yeah, well I, I watched. I was the newsbreaker man. I'm the one who saw the stretcher get rolled in that that they needed on on staff. So, um, yeah. So no, I I I absolutely do not accept that Kenta will be a good match. Yeah, I'm thinking Goto and Tanahashi are probably going to be his top options here. The the reality though, him and Goto or him and Juice could be really good. I think Goto and Juice are going to be like your top two utility guys in this block, personally. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're the best. Well, aside from Tanahashi, obviously, like they're the best at putting together matches. But Tanahashi takes off nights in G1s nowadays. Like he still has great tournaments, but they're like sneakily great because he takes a lot of off nights in in the middle of the tournament where they're not bad, but they're not great either. I mean, he goes straight from. I mean, while we're on it, right? He goes straight from Naito to Toriano. So, like, I think I actually think his 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 schedule is kind of built for that this time in a way that's a little less obvious. Mm. So, I'm I'm just kind of looking at every other, right? So he's got Naito, Yano, Juice, um, Yoshihashi, and then you've got Kenta, Evil. And Goto. Hmm. Yeah, I think a, a good job kind of spacing out some of those for him. Yeah, so, that, yeah. the Kenta Evil Goto thing is is a stretch, 
and then you got he uh sonata and um zack saber jr so like but like the thing that people forget and they don't like they didn't realize until after the fact was like the year that he won the g1 like two years ago he didn't really have that great of a g1 until like he had a really good match with uh suzuki the rest of it was kind of really lax he just was on the undercard picking up wins and then at the very 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 end of it he had bangers with Okada and Abushi, and then people were like, "He's back." <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's good work if you can get it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about another, uh, you know, former winner and champion. Let's talk about Tetsuya Naito. Yep, eleventh entry, eleventh consecutive. He is the current IWGP Intercontinental, Intercontinental and Heavyweight Champion. He's won the G1 in 2013 and 2017. Well, this is interesting. Um, anytime you're talking about the champion in the G1, you're talking about um, just so many different things because in the block, there's always the possibility that we mentioned of taking a loss, setting up other title shots. There's also the historical perspective that like the champions rarely win because the idea many times is to set up a, a potential challenger. Although Kijimudo has won it, and I think Kenzuke Sasaki has won it as well as champion, so it's not unprecedented. But since the um, introduction of the Wrestle Kingdom shot with the uh, briefcase involved, the champion has not won. With 2020 being a really weird year, it is possible... If like let's say hypothetically you were Gato and you knew that you didn't book this man as strong as you possibly could before, and there's still money in him, and you really want to establish him and just do something different, maybe you have him win the tournament because what if you're not going to like give him a really lengthy run? The, the, you know, let's say the lengths of like a guy like Okada, obviously, or something like that but you want to establish him as one of your preeminent guys and he's already the double champion. I mean, that double championship does really signify something major. What if you did just have him win the G1 with both belts? That would be like this big feather in his cap that he always carries always and forever. I'm not saying I anticipate it, but like it's not outside of the realm of possibilities. I love that. I mean, I floated the idea of Naito winning this uh, when I did the the PW Torch roundtable recently, and my the prospective um, challenger then that Naito would pick, I think, would have to be Hiromu. Right. Oh yeah, that's something that you know people have speculated about. I didn't even think of that, but that does beg the question: What happens if he wins? Right. So, and I think that a lot of people expected to see Hiromu in this tournament. And um, especially after the New Japan Cup, where the story, really the story since returning from the pandemic was that Hiromu's fighting heavyweights and winning um, some bigger matches. And so then you think like, okay, he lost the junior heavyweight championship. So you're going to put him in the G1, right? And then they didn't. Mm. Um and then the match with Naito in at the anniversary show had gotten canceled. And I think that when that got canceled and now there's still a lot of chatter about when can that match happen, I think that's a match that could do numbers. Um, 
I don't know that it could fill a dome, but if you're talking about a half, right, you're talking about 25,000 instead of 50 or 40, you're, you're in good shape with that matchup, especially with both of those guys really ascending. Uh, well, Hiromu ascending and, and Naito still being a, a real top star. So I don't, I don't know that I see that happening. It would be absolutely unprecedented, but I think that that would be the, the biggest move they could make in a, in a surprise. Well, um, and I'll give it to you here in a second, Jeremy, but like, I love what you just brought up because think about it. The, Pre-COVID, just when we're allowed to have full audiences in attendance, uh, we talked about it back then in like March when they were going to have this match. And we're like, are they giving away too big of a match at an anniversary show? They were, I mean, what does the anniversary show do? Five, 6,000, something like that? It's not that much. There is a lot of speculation. It's like we don't know, again, what the Tokyo Dome is going to be. This would be literally the biggest glow up of a match. Like, you know, we're, we're kind of worried about them giving away a match that could have potentially sold out of Tokyo Dome. But instead, if you did this, you're A, making Hiromu, and B, you're taking something that you were willing to give away for five or 6,000 at the time, maybe 4,500, I don't know, and instead getting way more out of it, way, way, way more, and it has longer term impact. And I don't know that I don't think Roma would even win that match, but it would be a bigger stage and statement for him. They would do huge business. It would be a big boost for him. And then Naito's ring would even be boosted even further. And he'd probably hold that belt to at least, I don't know, Sakura Genesis time, most likely maybe new beginning. I don't know, but um, that's not like the worst thing they could possibly do. Right, and I agree with you guys. I think that that's a, that's a great idea they could do. I mean, it's it's G one thirty thirty if G one. If you want to do something really kind of special and different to make G one thirty stand out, you, you have the double champion go to the finals and win the whole thing, and that can kind of like, like you were mentioning earlier, Chris. You kind of felt like Naito needs you know some kind of steam and get some momentum building after winning the titles back, and so what better way than just have him win the tournament as a champion, like you mentioned, Josh, and kind of establish him as a guy that that's going to be his thing. Like, you know, the guy who won the cha- won the tournament with the double titles, G one thirty. It'll always be remembered as Naito's kind of thing, and so I think that would be an interesting thing. So I definitely think he is one of the favorites to win the block, even as a champion. And I think he's going to be one of the you know the guys on that final night that has a high point total. Um, and who's he facing off in the final night? He, Sonata. He's facing Sonata on the final nope, night. He is fighting Kenta. And that's the uh, heretofore, like we haven't even talked about anyone that I think is realistically winning the tournament. Naito's the first real candidate that we've discussed in the block that can win. And he's fighting Knight, uh, Kenta that night. And then the, um, the other big match is Sonata Evil. So, I mean, you have to kind of keep those four in mind when you're talking about who's going to win the block. Yeah, I mean, those are the four that I would say. I mean, you've got Tanahashi, Zack Sabre Jr. that night, too. But I think so. that has more tag implications. Yeah, oh, I, I, I agree, especially with the night before being Ibushi and Tai Chi. So, um, and also, I mean, Tanahashi, Zack Sabre Jr., like, they're not building they're not building another uh, feud there. They, they ran that one to death. So, they'll keep that in the tag division probably just to keep it in- interesting. But... Yeah, I mean, I, and there's also there's probably a scenario where um, Naito needs Sonata to beat Evil, uh, and Kenta needs 
or an evil needs Kenta to be Naito, right? Like, I think that's there's some interplay there uh, on that final night. So there's uh, so much interplay when you think about it. I mean, the fact Naito and Kenta had that big program earlier this year, and then you've got the dynamics of Bullet Club against Lij, but then evil is kind of part of that Lij trifecta and all the history between those three guys. There's a lot. I know I was joking when I was talking about stories earlier, but there really is. Yeah, that's lot of the that. real deal. <laughs> it, that is what is what what this block is built off of. So, uh, most uh, match looking forward to most for Naito. Oh, um, I think, man. I mean, from a pure like match perspective, it's probably Tanahashi, just because we haven't seen it in so long. But from a story perspective, and not far off from a match perspective, I gotta say Sonata. Yeah, I was gonna jump in with Sonata. I think that that's the most interesting of 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 the matches, and I think it could be the best in ring too, um, depending on what uh, what they what Tanahashi and Naito can do three you know three years out from their great their great run. Yeah, I, I think Tanahashi match, and then also I think Hiroki Goto could be another kind of sneaky good match that he could have in the tournament. Remember that time they had a match that like you gave three stars and I loved for some weird reason and it like it wasn't that good, but I just loved it. It was in the G one like a year or two ago. But Naito and Goto? Yeah. And it was like it wasn't even that like I can admit it wasn't that good, but for some reason I was like, man, they told a story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember. It was, it was just like some undercard match. It was like I don't know, 12, 15 minutes, and I just loved it, and no one else liked it. Like, it's got, like, I don't know, three stars on cage match. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So let's move on to the next guy here, Sonata, fifth entry, fifth consecutive. What are we thinking for Sonata here? Well, Sonata, um, you know, the odds makers over in England have him favored two to one as the odds on favorite to actually win the entire shebang, which is uh, I don't know, kind of surprising to me because I think him winning the block is not outside of the realm of possibilities, but winning the whole entire G1, it seems kind of crazy to me, especially with the idea that him and Naito are fighting each other in the same block seems super unlikely. So I don't know about those odds. But, um, I mean, Sonata has always had great G1s, always. But he doesn't. He's always been in the block with a lot of killers, kind of like Juice Robinson. So he doesn't have the same uh, cast of players to you know to play off of. And he is a guy that we have said historically plays up to the level of his competition. So I don't see him going out there and just like killing it every night. I think he'll be one of the better B block performers um, match wise. But I don't think he'll have like this renaissance you know tournament. But as far as points. He's going to be alive in the final night. He might win the block. The stuff between him and Naito, him and Kenta, and him and Evil are going to like tell a huge story, um, big time. I think if Sonata wins the block, it's we're going to get another Sonata Okada um, final. Mm. I think that that would be that would be the obvious choice there. I. Sonata winning the tournament? I don't know. I mean, like, I just, I don't, I don't know that Sonata's that biggest star. Um, I know that I know people love him in Japan. Um, I know, I know that that is absolutely a part of this too. Um, and 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 the perception of Sonata is is much higher there than I think anywhere else. 
um, which is, but that's their bread and butter. Like that's where they operate. So um, the, his, his series with Okada has been renowned, especially over there in the media, as well as with fans. Um, and some of those matches are, are good. Um, and I, I really enjoyed the G1 Sonata Okada match last year, but I don't, I don't see a lot of great matches for Sonata in this block. Um, I just don't know that he matches up really well with any of these guys. Um, ZSJ. Yeah, ZSJ. I mean, he's he's the one that I would say, like, they've had good matches in the past. They will have a good match here. They're interesting. They're fun. They work different styles each time. Um, but other than that, like, I don't, there's not a ton on the, on paper that I'm excited about, but he's a solid wrestler, but I think you're right. I think he's going to be in, he's going to be in contention. He may be in contention to win the thing, which might create a weird um, dynamic with him and Naito, even if he just wins the block. So, and that's, you know, you always need some inter LIJ, you know, dissension. And we haven't really gotten that on the buildup to the G1 this year because we didn't know the, uh, we didn't know the blocks. So um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of all I got. Two quick questions. Cause I know you said that's all you got, but I think there's (laughs) some more you could probably add here. He's fighting evil on the, on the final night. That's a big deal. Obviously, past tag team partners, you know, the, the whole dissension. We never really saw Sonata's whole take on the evil departure the way that we did from uh, Naito and Hiromu. Um, the other thing, oh man, I forgot what it was. I had something else that was like really good here, but I kind of forgot. But um, yeah, just add there, I guess. <laughs> I mean, he's. Two and one against evil all time, but all of that has been, you know, inter LIJ. So I think the fact that they put that on the last night means that it's going to be meaningful. And, and that's the story they're going to tell is like, how did Sonata feel about all this? Um, so I don't remember any of their matches though. Like, I don't, I don't think any of them were especially memorable, even if they were kind of this inter LIJ um, story plots. I know what the other one was. There are a lot of people speculating that um, the same way that there are speculations that the New Japan Cup final might wind up being Sonata, Jay White, pre-COVID. There's a lot of people who are speculating that final. Is that something that you guys see as being a realistic you know, possibility or what are you guys thinking about that? I mean, there's definitely a chance. We, you know, we talked about the chances of Jay White sneaking into the finals. And with Sonata being in this B block that's you know a, a weaker block, there are a lot of guys in here I, I could see him beating, and I could see him getting to the finals. And so I, I think that is a, a possible final. That's not the finals that I want to see. I don't think that's the best possible matchup. I don't think Sonata is you know the best option to win the block or even win the whole tournament. I just feel like we, we've seen what the main event Sonata looks like. And yes, you know, some of the Okada matches were great. I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan of their whole series. Um, uh, and so I just don't know if he's that guy you really want to try and push in the Tokyo Dome, um, especially with, you know, already facing Naito in this block. That's going to be a match that is not protected now and something we would have seen just a few months ago. So I don't know. I don't know where those odds are really coming from with their, from the bet makers there. So, yeah, I'm not not in favor of Sonata winning, but I do think he's going to do very well just because of who's in this block with him. And I do think that match with Evil on the final night is going to be a big determiner. Like you guys mentioned, like that interplay, like he needs to beat Evil for either Naito to get in or if he beats Evil, that's going to be his ticket to, into the final kind of thing. And so that's going to be in a very important matchup. 
But uh, but for his best match, like you guys mentioned, I think Zack Sabre Jr. is his best like bell to bell opponent in this block, and I really enjoy their matches. And so that's the match that I'm looking forward to here. There's always him and Goto too. Yeah, that that could be good as well. Uh, so anything else on Sonata? Nope. Uh, so let's move on to Zack Sabre Jr. Fourth entry, fourth consecutive, one half of the IWGP Tag Team Champions. It's interesting because, you know, we're far cry away from the days of, like, Zacky Three Belts or, you know, the long-tenured Rev Pro Champion as he was even just, say, earlier this year. Uh, You know, now we're kind of at a point where, like, Zach's not really doing indie dates. He's not really doing, you know, the UK stuff. He's kind of just signed to... New Japan and resigned to wherever they're slotting him and placing him at that point. And um, he's got all the talent in the world. I mean, you know, if someone wanted to push him to win a G1 or be in a G1 final, I wouldn't be opposed to it whatsoever. But the fact that he is an IWGP tag team champion this year and given the trajectory that they placed him on this year, it doesn't feel like, this is the year they're going to do it, if ever, which I, I don't even know if they're ever going to do that. But, um, you know, they gave him the big spot in the New Japan Cup a couple years ago. That was like his big, big push. But we've never really seen that in a G1. He is always a fantastic competitor when it comes to G1 season, though. That is one thing. He always delivers. Um, I think, you know, we talked about like utility guys. We talked about Goto and um, Juice. But one thing we kind of you know, discounted is Zach. Maybe it's because we're so resigned to seeing him wrestle tag matches where we're going to see him get to like kind of stretch his wings out uh, and work a lot of singles matches with a lot of guys. He might give a lot of these guys their best match of the tournament, you know, just because it's the B block. Um, But that's about it. Like, I think, I think he'll actually finish with less points than he normally does personally um just because of the way it's booked and because he's a tag champ um so zach saber jr is just a little fun fact of the entire tournament the entire g1 tournament zach saber jr has the most singles matches on record um of this entire class so and with a lot i mean like he's got 741 singles matches on record at cage match uh, Tanahashi is second with 541 and Suzuki, crazy. Suzuki third behind that with 491 and like uh, the New Japan records on, on cage match are very complete yeah Um. so these are but Zach's are probably not Zach's may not be right so like isn't like isn't that something but he probably so has just a single- lot more singles matches <laughs> he may Um. so these but these are just singles matches too so I mean but that tells me that Zach um, has he's worked a lot for a long time so maybe this run in the tag um, division is is him kind of taking a little rest right so um. but I, I I'm excited I, I like Zach Sabre Jr. matches I think he always brings something a little bit different to the table I uh, I don't know that now's the time to kind of push him you know, to, to the, to the roof. Um, and I think you, you may be right. This may be a, a down year for him in, in the G1, but I, I don't think, I think he's someone that they could heat up um, later, later down the line. Um, but I, I don't think now's his time. Yeah. And Zach's another guy, that's another great tournament wrestler and does really well in these, you know, single elimination tournaments, these block tournaments. And so I think he's going to have great performance. And I do think 
like you mentioned, Josh, one thing that's that could be hindered, hindering him here is the fact that he is one half of the tag team champions. But again, I look at this block, and I see there's a lot of guys I could easily see him beating, and you know, they really haven't done a whole like a big push of him since that New Japan Cup in 2018, where he just went rough shot and just you know beat all those aces in that tournament. And so I'm not saying he's going to like you know go on a crazy run here, but I mean I could see him beating Juice, Goto, Yano, um, Sonata, like, I, I could see him at least getting a minimum of 10 points. Ooh, see, normally I would agree with you, but um, remember last year they knocked him out super early? Right. Yeah, eight, eight points last year. He ended up with eight points, but he was yeah. mathematically eliminated so early. I, I, I'm not saying he's going to get eliminated early, but, like, just given his positioning, I think he gets knocked out. I don't think he's ended up with five wins. I, I just don't. He had 12 points the year before. Uh, right. And I think he's going down because of where he's at. Right. I think I think every year he's gone down a little bit. Maybe next year will be a better year for him, but I, I don't think this is his year. It's it's a little interesting because they've never established him with uh, like an actual New Japan title either. Right. Nope. Yeah. Right, so like that's I think that's the the next step for him is to to get into one of the singles title pictures, you know, build himself up as a New Japan guy, and then and then you know maybe have a good run with a, a G one. I'll tell you what my most anticipated match for him is though, and I don't know if it might not be a first time match. Um, maybe I'm mistaken, but I just can't quite remember them ever fighting. Him and Kenta, man, have they ever fought? I've got them at one and one, but I okay. don't have the matches uh, written down here. But I, I feel like one of them was a long time ago. I can't wait for that. In a G1, that sounds fantastic. It's one of the only really highly anticipated Kenta matches I have. It, it sounds good, but it, it, it's also a potential for shenanigans. With, Don't, with... Jeremy, stop, please. <laughs> oh, they fought in the A block last year. Oh, oh did yeah, they? That's right. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. before that, they fought in Noah in uh in 2011. Yeah, see, I figured they could have fought in Noah. I forgot they wrestled last year. Jeremy's trying to rant in my parade, talk about <laughs> shenanigans, Bullet Club, Suzuki Goon. No, they're going to man up Code of Honor. They're going to shake each other's hands at the beginning of the match. They're actually going to do a pure rules. Yeah, they're going to do a pure match. <laughs> By the by the by the time Kenta and ZSJ wrestle, um, ZSJ is actually going to be the provisional champion, and it's going to be contested under pure rules. <laughs> um, I'm, I feel I'm, like their match last year was okay. It might have uh, been. Oh, Meltzer did four and a half stars. Yeah, but he'd be overrating. The cage match has it at eight point five, so that's uh, four and a quarter. That's four and a quarter. That's pretty good. That's pretty good on one hundred and fifty-three votes. So. That must have been a pretty good match. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm gonna go with uh, Sonata for Zach as well. I guess I like those matchups, and I just think from bell to bell, that could possibly be his best matchup here. Oh, absolutely. I'm curious what they'll do with the Naito match. So I'll say Naito. Um, I don't. I mean, Zach's not a guy that I think wins the G1, but he could win on a fluke against Naito and be the guy that has the the obvious Naito's going to win challenge. You know, funny thing, you bring up Naito. Naito's been criticized for not performing up to the levels that he used to in the past, but, like, him and Zach always have 
really good matches. Like for whatever reason, they've got great chemistry. So mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised. The funny thing is like, none of us are talking about Tanahashi and it's really funny because that whole entire like um, rivalry, they had nothing but great matches, but they just overdid it and everyone got so tired of it. that They're <laughs> like, no one wants to see it, but they were all like four star matches. <laughs> yeah. They overdid it really quickly too. Yeah. It's kind of the thing. It just like, it kept going back to it. And then it's like a year later, they've like let it breathe and we still don't want to see it. And it's going to be a four-star match. <laughs> On the last night. Yeah. Well, I, I guess part of it's just, we just ended up seeing golden aces and dangerous techers. So that's probably why. Yeah. So it, I mean, those guys have fought 22 times this year in, in various oh, multi tags and oh all that. God. So like, I mean, it's only been the two, two on two matches, but they've been in every multi-man with each other since, the beginning of time yeah, we've got <laughs> yes. a, a lot of tanahashi and saber this year <laughs> it's a lot well we've got uh we've got kenta uh coming in next this is his second entry into the g1 second consecutive and he is the number one contender for the iwgp united states heavyweight champion and he has the right to challenge that holder because he's got a briefcase and it's red and it says he can challenge and we had to have a question here from reddit user why did you do that bro so we all totally want Kenta to win the G1 and fuse the U.S. heavyweight briefcase with the G1 briefcase, right? No, I want him to carry both briefcases around all year, just like he's uh, Naito. <laughs> <laughs> uh, n- no, I don't want that. That's all I'll say about it. But he, oh, it would be great. He he could defend both briefcases at uh, what's the next one? Power struggle. Yeah. Yeah, you can defend both briefcases, so they they earn the the right to challenge both champions. <laughs> and then we have a, a triple title match at Earth's Kingdom. Three, yeah. three titles, and now it's called the Triple Crown. Triple Gold Dash. <laughs> I feel like someone's already done this. Sounds very familiar. Very familiar. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not a Triple Crown. It's a Triple Gold Dash. It's different. Oh, oh, because okay. they're dashing. <laughs> Oh man, it's so funny because last year, Kenta, we were like just so excited. Like collectively, all of us, the fandom, we were just like so excited. And then a year later, we're at such a different place, I feel like. Um, not to say that people are like down on him, but it's just not anywhere near like what it was. Um, I would say Kenta's year's been, and when I talk about year, I mean from last year to now, very inconsistent. You're talking about like, Super high highs, super low lows. Um, there's some people that just love the guy. There's some people that literally hate the guy. I remember last year people were calling him Noah Trash. Um, so I like I don't know what to expect here. I don't know how motivated Kenta is coming into this. Um, I I think he's one of the biggest question marks in the B block. Totally. I know that the the Japanese fan base was really excited when he got announced. Um, this year, and, yeah. So he awesome. and he's and he's gotten he's gotten himself over with that crowd on places like Twitter and through his his backstage promos. Um, so I think I think by getting back into Japan and um getting into this G one, where I think this uh this version of Kenta is is more suited for a tournament than um kind of the you know, ambiguous, you know, aligned with Shibata, Kenya, uh, Kenta that, that was in last year's tournament. So I, I'm excited. I think that, 
I really liked his match with Naito, even though it started off slow um, in a new beginning, and then but it, it turned out to be quite the quite the match, and and the blood helped. But um, I think that there's there's some probably some good matches here to be had with Kenta. I'm just wondering if we're gonna get Kenta the shenanigans guy or Kenta the wrestler or somewhere in between because uh, too much bullet club, you know, shenanigans with evil and, and Kenta both on the same card every night is, is going to be a struggle. Yeah. I, I do think it's going to be good to get him in front of a crowd again, because obviously on strong and empty arena, he's still trying to do these kind of heat things to, to generate heat, with no crowd. And so I definitely think he's going to come off better in that perspective of having a crowd there um, and getting some heat that way. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, you might bring up a good point, Chris. Which Kenta are we going to see? Are we going to see it? the Kenta that we saw in the G1 last year who had some really great matches and was, you know, fighting straight up? Or are we going to get this kind of shenanigans, low blow, you know, powder that we've been seeing on NJPW Strong in the, in the feud with Jeff Cobb? Um, and so I'm hoping, you know, obviously he he's still going to powder and cheat. He's Bullet Club, but I'm hoping that, uh, we still get some more kind of straight up matches, and I, I remember the Tanahashi match um, being really good last yep. year, and I think that's probably going to be the potential to be his best match in this block. Well, remember last year I loved the Okada match like way more than everybody else. I thought it was like near five stars, and a lot of people did not agree. <laughs> but um, you know, it's an interesting case with Kenta because you're like, okay, well, he's set to challenge John Moxley, so your conventional wisdom would think. He's not in line for any sort of big title shots, but then we don't know when John Moxley, from a political standpoint, with the relationship between the two different you know companies, uh, when that even is going to happen. And then the fact that he is set to fight Naito on the final night is very telling. It's like, um, I think conventional wisdom, you look at it and, people would probably think like, okay, evil Sonata final night. That's the final. But then you're like, but he's fighting Naito. So does that mean he could potentially be getting a title shot down the line? Um, or is he going to be a pin eater that sets up Naito to like win the block? Like this is the, the placement of it all is very precarious. Um, and I don't know what to make of it. That's why I call him like a big question mark. It's not, not that I question his abilities because he showed, even if um, he's not the same Kent of years ago, he still showed he can go and everything of that nature. I just don't know what to expect here. I don't know if he's a serious contender. I think he'll end up with a lot of points, but um, maybe he's getting a title shot out of this. Maybe he could win the block. I don't, I really don't know. I mean, we've talked about how winning the block doesn't mean you're going to win the tournament, but um he might not be a bad candidate to be a B block finalist. Yeah, I mean, once again, this block. I think this this block actually has a chance for a lot of parody booking as well. I just feel like there's so many guys that I could see him beating in this block. I could see him beating Juice, Goto, Yano, Yoshihashi, um, potentially even beating like Saber. Uh, and so I think he's going to do well in the tournament, especially facing off against Naito on that last night and after the rivalry they had here. Um, I, I'm not very confident in him winning overall the tournament. He could definitely be a B-block final, especially if the A-block um, guy is going to end up winning the whole thing. But I, I think he's going to be at the top of the block, but I don't think – I'm not 
confident he's going to get to the finals. He's also a guy that you could you can heat him up and and you could go with him and and that can be another story because they they did that at the end of Wrestle Kingdom. They just they decided they were going to go with Kenta and they heated him up and um he he's over with the Japanese fan base and um he can be you know he can be a dastardly heel. Um so and and you know in that scenario I don't think he wins the tournament by any means but I think he can he can be a player for sure. Um, and I think there's there's also a scenario where he just he throws the US title briefcase aside and says, I don't that's not what I was trying to do. Um, because he's a heel. He can do, you know, something that's disrespectful. So it was promised to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he beat Jeff Cobb um, <laughs> to carry on. So I don't know. I mean, like I I'm very curious to see how much shenanigans and interference and whatnot we're getting from the Kenta matches. Same, same way I am with the, the Jay White matches. Like we know that Evil and Yujiro are going to be full of that. So I'm hopeful that the other two are, you know, lean towards the middle. Yeah. So I, I know I said Tanahashi for my match. Who, who are you guys looking forward to for Kenta? Ooh. Um, you know, I didn't... <sighs> No, no negativity here. I was going to talk about matches I didn't like with him in the past. Um, you know, I, I did really enjoy the Tanahashi match last year. Um, Kenta and Tanahashi faced off when Kenta was still a quote-unquote face. And we sort of got that moment at the end of the match where there was a, a lack of respect. You know, they uh, I don't remember how it played out, but was it Kenta wouldn't like shake Tanahashi's hand? Is that what it was? Um, I think it was Tanahashi that didn't want to shake Kenta's hand, I think. Something of that nature. So now Kenta's healed, Tanahashi's still the ace. I think that that's going to be an interesting, you know, uh, I don't even know if they're going to tell that story, but it's in the back of my mind, so I can't wait to, you know. And those guys are from the same generation. That's kind of always been a dream match. We're getting it again, you know. I don't care if it's, you know, 17 years too late, whatever. <laughs> I'm I'm curious what they do with um Kenton Juice again. Um I think, you know, they had a, a classic rivalry in twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen around the uh Florida armories. And um oh, I was like when <laughs> and I uh no I'm I'm curious if they'll if they'll address that in their backstage promos. I know we joked earlier about nobody's gonna you know, nobody's gonna watch them, but um, I think if they do, especially with those two characters, um, they could um, they could tie that together pretty well and, and probably have a pretty good match. Uh, that's a match we haven't seen in, in serious circumstances. And I think with Juice, too, obviously Juice is always in that U.S. title picture. You could have Juice beat Kenta. Then at Power Struggle, you have Kenta defend the briefcase against Juice, and then the winner faces Mox at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, that's, I love that. That's some good booking. You know, the funny thing about Juice, every year he has one or two, let's just be realistic, probably about one match that is like literally upper, upper tier. But because it's like Juice and it's in the middle of the G1 and it's on an undercard, everyone forgets about it. Like last year, him and Ishii had this banger that I was like, holy shit. And then like two weeks later, no one remembered it. So maybe him and uh, Kenta have something like that. I don't know. Yeah. So let's talk about our last guy here in the B block, the former double IWGP champion, the <sighs> King of Darkness, 
Evil, fifth entry, fifth consecutive. Okay. I'm so tired of talking about evil. <laughs> <laughs> we are too. And it's funny. <laughs> I, I've mentioned it before. Like, um, when I was in like history class growing up, we used to have this like uh, teacher where like if you brought up like the war, you could get him like to completely negate the entire like uh, class and just talk about that. And then like, we'd pretty much get away with like not getting homework or anything. That's sort of been evil for me this year. Like people ask us questions about evil and I get so worked up that like, I just rant and rave and like go off on tangents and like freak out about evil. Cause I, I like get pissed. So like, I think we're tired of talking about them too. All of that aside, um, most of the time, historically speaking, when somebody was given a first-time title win and then had the title taken off of them prior to the G1, they usually don't win that G1, at least in the last like decade anyways. The one guy that they didn't do that with was like Okada. I don't think Evil is going to be getting the Okada treatment here. So my personal feelings, he could win the block. He's going to win. He's going to end up getting a lot of points. I don't know how how good his matches will be, but he's not winning the G1. Yeah. And that's no personal, nothing personal about it. Just historically speaking, that's what's happening here. He's either losing the G1 to somebody or probably losing the block. Yeah, I could definitely see him winning the B block. And, and if uh, Okada wins, you could run back Okada and Evil, and Okada gets his win back on Evil to go to the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, I mean, I don't uh, I don't think we've ever seen someone win the New Japan Cup and the G1 in the same year, and I don't think Evil's the guy that they're going to strap that to. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not... Oh, that's super, a good point. I didn't even think of that. I'm not super worried about... Um, evil i think evil will be a player in the in the last night i'm not super worried about it even if he wins the block i don't but i also don't think that they're going to keep going back to that well um i can't imagine they're that committed to um to evil on the main event like at the main event level so um i have to i have to imagine that um the 30 minute time limit is also going to play uh, into evil's strengths, I guess, or play against his weaknesses. Um, cause I think a, a lot of the complaints about the evil matches were that they were just so long and drawn out and you knew how they're, you knew they were going to end with interference. So, um, I think we're going to see a lot of that. I think that, um, I, I, you know, there's not a ton on paper that makes me excited about evil matches right now, especially with the shenanigans. But, um, you know, like I said, I, I'm not super worried about them going back to the evil well with another like tournament win. Maybe a block, maybe it's him and Okada, but then you you certainly know how that's going to end. Right. Yeah, and I think as far as like matchups, I think probably the Sonata matchup for me would probably just be the most interesting because now it's not like an LIJ thing. Like they're enemies now in opposite factions. It's on the last night and there's going to be a a lot of stakes behind that match, and I think that could probably... Um, there's not a ton of guys besides that match that I'm really looking forward to. I know him and Goto have traditionally had pretty decent matches, and that could be a pretty good match. Maybe the Tanahashi match could be pretty good, but I'm just 
picturing all the shenanigans, all the interference, you know, Dick Togo coming out and choking people out. So um, I, I don't think we're going to get a, a lot of great stuff here. But uh, something I want to point out too: Evil not having a ton of main events, I think that could be a sign that he could be another guy similar to Jay White where they, they kind of sneak, they could sneak their way into the finals. Yeah, he's only in two main events, I think, is is the number. So, um, but he's in a lot of semi mains. So he's still he's still in the conversation for sure. So, uh, Josh, who are you looking forward to seeing Evil Russell? Uh, what's my most anticipated Evil match? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'll just say Sonata for the story. I, you know, um, I was kind of catching the gist of what uh you guys were saying there and like you know with with everything that we've seen from evil this year and all the interference and the inevitable dick togo stuff like i don't really have anything i'm excited about personally but um at least and it's not like i love him and his matches with sonata but uh at least there's a story there and it's on the final night there'll probably be some drama and maybe at least we might not get so much shenanigans because it's an important match, hopefully. So that's my that's my answer. But uh there's a good chance like his we get like a um Jay White twenty eighteen esque run from him. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> I hope Naito just beats the hell out of him. Yeah, and just like wins clean, no no shenanigans, ten twelve minutes all today. Yeah, do I, I don't feel like that's happening. I feel like there's a good chance he gets his win back. I don't know. Ugh, that means we get another defense. Maybe. Yeah, I'm hoping for like a a Luke Harper or Brody like squash like what happened to Cody and just Nitro just bum rushes him, just gets him out of there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that wraps up the previews of all the competitors in the blocks. We have some G1 questions I think we should get through pretty quickly. Um, just kind of rapid super fire. Quick. Yeah, super quick rapid fire answers. And we're running long. And so I know there were some other shows to talk about, but we're not going to get to them this week. And I know there's some off-topic questions. We're not going to get to those. So we're going to end with these G1 questions and uh, the recommended match of the week. And then we will uh, wrap this thing up here. Um, so first question comes from Viking Payne. Any info on how Jay White and Jeff Cobb got into Japan? Osprey and Juice have residency in Japan, and Kente is a Japanese citizen, so all three were eligible to be brought back. But as far as I know, Jay and Cobb aren't residents. Did Jay travel to Japan via New Zealand? Did Cobb do the same from Guam? So everything that I've heard about this is that, uh, you know, and I've heard this from Japanese residents, is that the there, there's a lot of different ways to get into the country right now. So, And, and one of those is is basically being um brought in by your employer so um you know the the citizenship that was all pretty straightforward i know that new japan is super invested in jay white and and um i've heard through the grapevine that they're super invested in jeff cobb so i would imagine that they got through on something like an employment visa um so i don't i think they both came straight from america um, my understanding is that um, residents of Guam actually get an American passport that has a special page in it that that um, um, explains their citizenship. So with with Guam, so um, 
but it, what it sounds most like to me is that those guys just got in um, based on you know New Japan investing in them and 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 crossing the T's and dotting the I's that they needed to. We are not the podcast that had the scoop on the uh, <laughs> the foreigners making their way into the tournament. That would be the other guys, but um, I'm glad that they're all here. I don't. I Chris did a great job there. Uh, I wish Toa Hanari was in this tournament. That's the only thing I'll say. <laughs> yeah, and we have seen that. Uh, you know, we, we've heard rumors about you know Japanese government stopping and allowing people <laughs> to get into the country. So maybe that's true. Maybe they have that power to get who they want in the country. So. Last week, I thought like Will Osprey might not even be in the tournament based off of Rev Pro. <laughs> so I clearly don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if only somebody would have told you those shows are taped. They were taped yeah. like two months ago. <laughs> Jeremy told me that, but uh, I wasn't yeah. sure he was accurate because uh, Cage Match had it listed as live. <laughs> oh. That's because uh, no one actually know- no one knows the date they were taped. They were very secretive, but it was it was quite a while ago. Hmm. Uh, next question here from Reddit user Bravo Tango Zulu. It says, last year I asked about Goto and Ishii sharing a block for years. This year I asked you, why would the IWGP community take this match away from us? I don't know. I love that match. I'm sad we're not going to get it, but we'll get it at some point in the future. So I was it's gonna right. say, They will definitely go back to it at some point. Yeah. Um, also asked, does the fact that Taichi versus Suzuki happens in Hokkaido affect Taichi's chances of winning? Do Sonata's chances increase against Naito since the match is happening in Nagata uh, Prefecture? Nagita. Uh, those are, those are say, both. Oh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say yes for Sonata. I think it increases his chances. I think those are both really good uh, possibilities. I, I can't say for sure. But, um, I mean, those are little caveats to kind of look out for. Yeah, especially in the whole Suzuki Taichi thing, if they're definitely kind of fueling the fire to a potential Taichi takeover, a big win over Suzuki in his hometown. It means something. Uh, next question's from Ready the Rainbow and Slam Pig. How much do you think the long layoffs with minimal work are going to impact the ability of some of the foreign talent to hang over the entirety of the G1 tournament? It's a wrinkle, for sure. I think it's a part of the story that they'll tell. Maybe some of those guys will start slow. Some of those guys might ha- not have the stamina. So I think that I think that you hit the nail on the head of one of the stories they're going to tell throughout the course of the tournament. This tournament is unlike any G1 that we've had in the past just because of COVID. And, you know, we don't know what to expect. Uh, there's a lot of guys that have been active for a while, and there's some guys that haven't been. And, um, you know, I'm not a wrestler, but as someone who's in training, uh, I can tell you that, like, there's no way you can prepare for wrestling other than actually wrestling, <laughs> you know? Um, so depending on what kind of preparation those guys have been doing on, on their downtime, their off season, it, it's going to be very telling, you know, it, it just is. Yeah, definitely. It'll be something to look out for and to see how those guys end up performing and how that affects them. Uh, he also asked, we were getting Naito versus Tanahashi as a, B, um, a block in the mat, a block match in B block. Do you think it's surprising that we're getting what seems like such a protected match this way? Um, no, because of where it's placed. It's placed as a, a really big match to kick off the tournament with, um, you know, maybe a big upset, maybe just a great match. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's going to be potential to set up that, that power struggle title match. And so... 
we haven't seen it in a few years and kind of doing it twice, boom, boom, kind of get your money's worth out of it. And so I think that's kind of what they were thinking there. Previously, I would have said it was surprising, and I think we probably would have got it earlier in the year. I think this would have been a perfect match for like a Dantaku or something like that, you know, had everything played out the way that I thought it should have. But it didn't, and because it didn't, I'm not surprised. They need a big money-making match in a big building on the first night like they're doing here, and this one makes all the sense in the world. Um, I don't know if they're going to do the booking Jeremy just outlined, but if they do, that's a great way to kind of maximize your bang for the buck. So, it says Evil or Sonata is on the closing night of B Block. Do you think the result of the match is going to be what ultimately determines the B Block winner? I think that that's a possibility. Yeah, we kind of talked <laughs> about that, and I feel like yeah, there. I mean, that there's a definitely a chance that that's going to be a big factor in that B Block. I kind of agree, but I think you guys kind of sold me on the idea of maybe Naito winning this shit. <laughs> it could happen. Uh, well, ne- good, good thing our next question's about it. Yeah, from uh, Reddit user DGraw69. What's more likely, Ishii winning his block or Naito winning the whole tournament? Naito winning the entire tournament is much more likely than Ishii winning a block, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, ready, just uh, ready. You just a little bear zero one. What do you think will? Who do you think will score less points in this year's G one? Yujiro or Yoshihashi? It's got to be Yujiro, right? I mean, if I was if I was betting on it, yeah, it's Yujiro. I agree, but it might just be a push. Yeah, a push at four. Highest Fly Flow says, "Who does the G and G one stand for this year?" Like when they say the G and G one is golden for Ibushi. Every year they've got fun new ones. Any new ones can you come up with? Uh, it's too late to come up with some new ones tonight. <laughs> G is for juice. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Uh, Kevin Crawford asks, what are the chances of an Ibushi versus Kenta G1 final? Zero. <laughs> yeah, I would love it, but I, I think it's unlikely. Yeah, it seems highly unlikely. Oh, yeah, Kenta Bushi. We, that was that match that I saw last year live that I was kind of disappointed by. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question from Rich Ladd. He says, why do you think Gato puts together what are seemingly imbalanced blocks? The B block will produce good matches, I'm sure, but do you think there's some type of strategy behind this? Yeah, I think the strategy is A block is for your in-ring wrestling fans and B block is for your story, guys. So I actually think it it almost makes more sense because you're not you're not kind of mixing um, priorities. Rich, you're acting like this is some sort of like surprise. I mean, you know, Raw and SmackDown. SmackDown's the wrestling show, and Raw's <laughs> the wrestling show or the uh, the story show. I mean, that's basically what we're getting here. You know, A block is SmackDown and B block is Raw. I mean, <laughs> they, they wrestle on those shows. <laughs> so does that mean but, that the B block's gonna have an underground? Yes. Uh <laughs> you said the B block, right? Yeah. That's King of Pro Wrestling. Oh, there we go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, I think um, you know, we were very excited when New Japan first came back and it did come back, but very limited and a lot of the key players and key components, things we love about New Japan and New Japan, they weren't all totally here. 
And A block is sort of like, it's almost like they're flexing a little bit. Like they put together this incredible block and it's like, okay, yeah, we weren't like fully operating at the level that we're used to, but here you guys go. Like you're getting it. And for all you people that liked what we did earlier in the, in the year, since we've returned, you're getting more of that in the B block. So it's like, they got something for everybody. Yeah. Uh, next question from Rachel Patton. What match from each block are you dreading and which match do you think could be better than expected? Any match that I'm dreading is going to involve evil. Um, just cause I'm super burnt out on him and I, I can't even pinpoint exactly what, but I, I, I there's not going to be a, a card where the evil match shows up and I like perk up. Um, so yeah. Was, what was the other? Oh, could be better than expected. Um, I mean, any of the Jay white matches, honestly, because he's, he's been so full of, um, you know, interference and things of the sort. If if he leaves that behind, I think he can he can surprise some people with some really good in ring stuff. Uh, for me, I'm dreading Yujiro versus Taichi, just for the hot mess that could be, and um, what I think could be better than expected. I think Taichi and Shingo could end up being uh, a banger. For me. Um, in the A block, I don't want to see Yujiro and Okada again. I saw it so many times this year, and it was awful. Uh, so, no, I don't want to see it ever again. Uh, in the B block, just like, I don't know. Evil against Yoshihashi sounds like the shits. <laughs> <laughs> um, one match that, and I, I mentioned it earlier, but I think for some reason, I think uh, Suzuki and um, Jeff Cobb is something that is kind of, could be a lot better than people are anticipating. Mm. Yeah. Uh, next question from 8-Bit Suplex. Who are the names not in the tournament that you wish were here? You know, we. I think a lot of people were hoping for, because of the open weight nature of how New Japan got booked this year, they're hoping for some dads or maybe even some juniors. But I'm completely fine with how everything ended up. Would I have liked a um i don't know a kojima or a hanare yes but at the same time like the way that the year progressed not everyone had the luxury to like build up to prepare themselves for a g1 like that so um maybe hiromu or desperado might have been some of the open weight names that could have you know made it but it's really hard to make an argument that very, I mean, Yujiro is like probably the one guy that you can make an argument against, but everyone else pretty much deserves to be in this tournament. Yeah, I think the only thing the tournament's missing from me on my end is is a first timer, um, and and probably in place of Yujiro. So, but I I don't. It probably would have been Hanare. Uh, that would have been my bet if things had gone the way uh, you imagine they would have gone starting at the beginning of the year. You started to see him being placed. Um, with a little bit more weight behind him. So, um, but I mean, I, I'm, I couldn't be happier with the, um, with the lineup that we ended up with. So this is, there, there were no surprises on the, on the negative side really for me. Yeah. I think maybe one guy that I would like to see was show just with how they're building him up with Ishii these last couple of weeks. And that, that would have been a great um, addition to have and have those guys on the same block and have a block match. But 
like you said, I think for the most part, both blocks look really good. Um, everybody in there should be in there except for maybe Ujiro, and so there's not much you could have done there. So, but overall, happy with the tournament. Um, question from Ricky: uh, Which match from either block excites you the most overall? Um, well, for me, it's got to be Okada and Shingo. And we've already kind of talked about it, but that's it for me. I'll take Coda and Shingo then. So, Jeremy, good luck. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Josh. I'm with Okada, Shingo. Nice. Um, at Oscar Rooney, what percentage can you give me for a Naito win and chooses Hiromu as his opponent for Wrestle Kingdom? I didn't even know people were talking about this. Like, this is crazy. Um, <laughs> I don't want to say it's super high, but like, I I don't know. I'm not good at percentages. What do you guys think? Uh, 12. Yeah. I was going to say like 10. Yeah. Like a one in eight, eight to one, which is actually pretty good considering he would have to all, he's also the champ that would win. And then he would have to then choose Hiromu, um, which is, I think is the obvious play, but he could just come out and choose Okada. I don't know. Yeah. And uh I know Well well he might not have to choose anybody from, from the tournament if he beats everybody. He just runs roughshod <laughs> right through it. If he beat everybody in the tournament, not only would he be the double champion, but he literally went undefeated in the tournament. I don't know if that's ever been done. It has that'd be that'd be freaking huge. And then he would be well within his rights to give the title shot to Romo. Something I didn't bring up, and I hate to keep us even longer, but do you think there's a chance that Naito goes to a draw and then that person challenges for the IC? Mm. Like, I, in, I think, like as a way to, I don't know, split them up or have Naito defend them separately? We've talked about that in depth uh, on other episodes. I think it's too late to do that right now. I think yeah. like you just need to keep them together until at least Wrestle Kingdom because it would be stupid at this point to split them up. Yeah, at this point they've come they've come this far, right? Yeah. And so I know we had a few more questions here, but just so we're running really long here on time, so we'll get to these at another time. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We just want to let you know our G one uh, thirty pick'em contest is live. You can visit socialsuplex.com. Uh, the entry form is there on the homepage. Uh, great grand prize package for you. We got you got a keeping a strong style T shirt. You have a G Shock Gorillas collaborative watch. Uh, worth $189, and you also get to be a uh, guest spot here on Keeping a Strong Style. You can pick any episode you want within the calendar year and uh, be our, our third man here. You could be the, the Chris Sampsa uh, <laughs> on a future episode. So Also, uh, uh, my girlfriend says if hypothetically a female wins this tournament because she thought that our uh, G-Shock watch was too masculine and uh, – maybe a little uh, non-feminist, uh, she will have an alternative uh, prize ready to go for any female listeners that want an alternative prize. Boom, look at that. That sounds good. Um, and so uh, one last thing before we go, the recommended match of the week. Chris, I believe you have a recommended match for us. I do. Um, so it's from August 17th, 2003. It was the G1 Climax Final. Jun Akiyama versus Hiroshi Tenzan. Um, I recently did an episode of uh, Wrestling Omakase behind uh, John Carroll's um, paywall on his, on the Patreon. And um, 
they had me watch this match and it just it blew me away uh tenzon looked awesome he did a moonsault like this <laughs> ma- the, the room is hot the story with akiyama coming over um and being kind of the foreign invader to new japan is i mean it's just awesome really really hot building very exciting match tenzon looks amazing he almost looks like a, a he's got a little ishi in him you know kind of a bowling ball running around doing crazy stuff so um absolutely a match worth worth your time um and and again it's a g1 climax final so it's a hot room um really really fun watch nice absolutely looking forward to uh re-watching that match personally uh, last week's match was uh devitt and okada from kazuna road 2013 i won't give you guys a full review but four and a quarter if you haven't seen it definitely check it out uh spoiler alert prince devitt never wins the iwgb title so <laughs> <laughs> well chris we want to thank you so much for taking the time and jumping on here with us today and breaking down g130 please give the listeners your plugs and where they can find you online best place to find me is at sportofprowrestling.com anything that i uh, i do I'll, I'll put a link up there um i'll be doing daily audio previews on the voices of wrestling podcasting network and um, I'll be doing daily written previews um, either at Sport of Pro Wrestling or at Voices of Wrestling. So um, Twitter, the Chris Samsa, T-H-E-C-H-R-A-S-S-A-M-S-A. I love coming on Keeping It Strong Style. It's my favorite podcast I get to do. I know we joked a little earlier that um, I've been doing kind of the, the gauntlet of audio, but this one was the one circled on my calendar first. So um, I appreciate you guys. And it touches my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's going to wrap things up for this week. Uh, guys, make sure you check out our partner, manscaped.com. Use the promo code SUPLEX to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. That's 20% off and free shipping, manscaped.com, using the promo code SUPLEX. Next week, we'll be back to review nights one and two of the G1 Climax. So if you enjoyed this <sighs> show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. The show is at KI Strong You can also follow us at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan on Facebook. We are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You can also follow us at Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Instagram, we are at Social Suplex. On Reddit, on the Pro Black Guy. Y'all just keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at SocialSuplex.com. Make sure you check out all the other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. On Sundays, we have One Issue Radio, hosted by Rich Lab and James Boyd. On Wednesdays, we have the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. On Thursdays, we have the Grave Consequences Podcast with Caleb and Maserati. And on Fridays, we have the 8-Bit Suplex with Josh Number 2 and Sandy. On Saturdays, we have All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Ichiban. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.